Wrestling Geeks Hello everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation. This is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over the shows. So we got a decently sized show for you uh, this week. It's not going to be as big as last week. We had a lot to cover, but there's some stuff going on. We got some more news, I think, uh, than anything, but we're going to be going over some news topics. Takeover predictions, Wednesday Night Wars, and uh, go over Raw and SmackDown, or at least highlight how terrible Monday Night Raw was uh, with almost every fucking segment. I just want to go over how bad each one of them is. So if you're a diehard Raw fan, definitely listen. And then go over the uh, pretty damn good show of SmackDown last night. But uh, I can't do this by myself. He is the the the, the Kevin Owens to my Sami Zayn. Uh, except for we're not going to have a match at WrestleMania. Christopher Brother Ray Patton, say hello to all the lovely people out there. Hello, everyone out there. And why are we not having a match at WrestleMania, Dane? That's the that's the honest question. I mean, it would probably be better than some of the stuff they have booked on this card, if we're being realistic. Yeah, I still want to know what the clusterfuck for the women's titles, or the women's tag titles is going to be. Looks like it's going to be like a nine-man fucking, I don't <laughs> even know. We'll we'll, 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 we'll get to that. Yeah, I'm completely good with being the Kevin Owens to your Sami Zayn. Does that mean we're going to make a Ring of Honor tag team run here? Me and you? You're going to throw the mask on? No, that means that I'm going to make a documentary about how much the wrestling industry is screwing me over. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to not be a part of that just in case, uh, you know, I have to go back to the wrestling industry at some point in time. Well, I wanted to kind of sadly start off. Uh, let's not go sadly, but. Um, this might not be wrestling related, but I'm a huge hip hop fan and one of my favorite hip hop artists. And I know that you're a huge fan of him too. Uh, DMX, uh, OD'd last night and he's hospitalized. So just big ups to DMX. And I hope obviously he pulls through, um, Chris, any comments? Yeah. I mean, DMX has had problems for a long time that are well-documented. He's one of my favorite hip-hop artists of all time. It's probably not a cool thing to say in today's culture, but uh, I think he is, in, in a lot of ways, is one of the most influential hip-hop artists of the you know late 90s and definitely one of the most in, uh, important, especially if you just look at album sales, etc. Um, I love DMX. I've seen him live twice, as you know. Last time he was in Atlanta, I went, and see it. I went to see him, so... I hope he's doing well. I, I'm sorry that he's going through this. And, uh, yeah, man, it sucks. It sucks to even hear about it. I didn't hear about it until you sent me the message, and that's just terrible. I mean, DMX, he's kind of a character. Like, you have stuff. Like, there's an entire website that's just called Is DMX in Jail? So, I mean, he's been going through stuff for a while. But, um, man, I hope he's okay. And, I, I mean, I would love to hear a new album, but mostly I just want him to be okay and, and maybe get to see him live again. Because if you guys have never go, if you've never been to see a DMX concert, if he does tour near you, if everything, if all he pulls through this and everything's okay, definitely recommend it. It's it's a good time. So, yeah, shout out to his family and, and just warm vibes. And 
hope everything's all right, man. I, I can't I can't afford to lose another uh, legend, musical legend or wrestler at this point. I feel you, man. And uh, all of Geek Fives Nation and especially Wrestling Geeks Alliance are pulling for you. DMX, thank you for everything that you've contributed. Uh, me being a young white boy from the suburbs of uh, Atlanta, you know, singing Bring Your your Whole Crew at the top of my lungs. Uh, <laughs> In, in cul-de-sacs, definitely upset parents and may put a smile on my face at least. So yeah. you, you're a badass, man. Hope that you yeah. pull through on all this. Yeah, and I mean, even songs like Slip and I'm Falling, like when I was a kid, when I was like 13, Slip I was going through some rough times and, and and not necessarily living in the best situation at that time. And I heard Slip and I'm Falling, I'm like, I'm going to be all right. You know, like, so yep. he's able to connect in various ways. It's not all just straight uh like you said, <laughs> I just love. Um, it's not all. It's not all that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in DMX's rap, so I hope he's okay, man. Like I said, he's he's one of my favorite rappers of all time, so it, it just sucks to hear that. Yep. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to some wrestling stuff. We got, like I said, quite a few news things to cover. Um, first, I want to talk to you about these New Japan belts, man. Uh, so I, I love New Japan. I'm a huge fan. Uh, Chris got me into it back when Okada won against Omega, told me to watch the match, and became infatuated with it. They were, I think, the biggest thing non-WWE for a long time before AEW came around um, in the last six years as popularity rose with them. And uh, they decided to get rid of the Intercontinental Championship and combine it with the World Championship and take away the belts. Um, I just tell you to look it up to find out what it looks like. I am not a fan of the belt itself. I will probably get used to it, but it really does look like Cody Rhodes' tattoo made a baby with the old Divas title, and it was pure gold. Uh, and I just love the IWGP <laughs> Heavyweight Championship belt, man. It's it's so classic looking. It's a beautiful belt. The IC belt's important, and they're getting rid of the IC belt. And this belt's pretty. There's a you know. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries, man. Um, I mean, I just can talk. Yeah, yeah what, can what talk do you think it. about it? I'm getting some extra audio. I don't know where it's coming from. Just a riff. Yeah, no worries. Uh, the, I mean, it's so unfortunate because I think that that belt, specifically the the one they've had with Kenny and and uh, you know Kazuchika Okada and everyone that's carried it in the past like five or ten years, I think that belt is beautiful. I think it is the best looking belt in the wrestling industry. And so much so the AEW kind of modeled their belt after it. So for them to make it look, I mean, they've made it smaller and like, like you said, it has those jagged edges. It just, to me, it looks stupid, I guess. I would rather, if you're going to do a simple belt, then just make it look like the NWA title. But if, you know, if you're doing a big elaborate belt, it needs to look like big Goldie, which is essentially what the old title looked like. And this is a, a combination of shit I don't like. Like, this this title looks like it's worth less than the old title, just, you know, as a monetary value, which the idea of the, having the belt is that you have this giant piece of hardware that should be worth, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and that's why it's important to have it. Yeah, my favorite belts, and also, thank you, PW Torch, for having a wonderful video that popped up in your article. Fucking stupid. Anyways... Um, that was shout the feedback. I'm like, where's this coming from? Could you, you couldn't hear it on your end, right? No, I couldn't, but shout out to Wade Keller, PW Torch. <laughs> Just got to get a shit in. Anyways, um, 
so yeah, to me, my five favorite belts, um, I'm not going to put it in order, uh, but is the white IC belt that's been dominant for a very long time. Um, the gold eagle or gold eagle WWE belt, the, you know, world heavyweight championship from WCW, WWE, and you know, that's that Ric Flair first worn, uh, the NWA belt and the IWGP heavyweight championship belt. Uh, I probably put the intercontinental IWGP right up there. So instead of the intercontinental, Chris, they just announced and showed that the winner of the new Japan cup USA will not only get a trophy, but will be the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship. The belt looks very similar to me to the new Intercontinental title in WWE. I don't know what the fuck the need of this is. Why would you remove one of the, the prestigious belts of the Intercontinental belt to put this new one in, and you already have the Never Openweight Championship? What, are you going to absolve that one? I just see who Tanahashi is the current champion of that. It just seems kind of dumb and, you know trying to update for no reason, something WWE did for a long time in the 2000s with making their belts cooler, apparently. But um, I am not a fan of it. I'll just be honest with you. And honestly, I've seen people like go after fans that aren't a fan of it and just call them like non-New Japan fans. Fuck off. If you don't like the way something looks, you can say that and be a fan of the product. This is something I had a problem with with Snyder fans. I hate to say this, is that if you are a DC fan or a fan of the movies and you contributed any type of criticism, you weren't a DC fan. No, I want the company that I like to do better and I don't want, you know, if something's noticeable, I'm going to fucking comment on it. I'm not going to give just a biased opinion. As much as I love New Japan, the new heavyweight title looks like shit and they should never have gotten rid of the Intercontinental title if they're going to put this new openweight title. It just seems really silly. I can't believe that people are that ridiculous where if you don't like the way something looks, it means you're not a fan of the product. That's that's ridiculous. That's like if you you know, if you love the way a 1967 Ford GT 350 looks, but you don't like the way the new Mustang looks that you fucking hate Ford. That's like how do you get there in your mind? Um, yeah, man, people I, are I, stupid. It's it's uh it's it to me it just looks like trash and everyone I've heard talk about it also doesn't like it in various podcasts etc it's just it's a smaller belt um Okada probably doesn't want it anymore I guess the idea and we kind of talked about this four or five months ago if you remember Dane is that Okada and Gato Gato were talking about doing like no DQ type matches. And with mm-hmm. this title switch, I'm wondering, you know, with a new title, do we start seeing new kinds of matches for their main events? That would be my guess on why they're actually doing it. But, you know, make it look better, though. No excuses. It still looks like trash. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on. I'm, I'm leaving the, the biggest story for last, I think. But um, let's uh, I want to go over the Hall of Fame with you, man. Um, we didn't really do that last week and just kind of. I'm going to go over all the inductees from last year, just to refresh, and then talk about also this year. Hand it off to you, and we'll go back and forth a little bit. Um, So who to be inducted in 2020? We knew it was JBL, the British Bulldog, Jushin Thunder Liger, New World Order, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Sean Waltman, Bella Twins. And then the celebrity for both years is going to be William Shatner. The Warrior Award is going to Titus O'Neil. And then the addition for the class of 2021 is Molly Holly, Eric Bischoff, Kane, the great Cully, and Rob Van Dam. 
uh, noted that Batista was a part of it. He unfortunately had some moving uh, movie scheduling conflicts, so he's going to be added at a later time. But uh, they announced that he said, you know, apologies and everything. And that's just the nature of the beast. He was supposed to go in next year. They definitely wanted next year to be when they put, I believe, Jushin Thunder Liger in because that was his last year. But unfortunately, the pandemic happened. You really can't do anything about it. But JBL, British Bulldog, Jushin Liger, the four members of the NWO, the Bella Twins, Molly Holly, Eric Bischoff, Kane, Great Cully, Rob Van Dam. I will say there's one of them in there that's not like the other that a lot of people have a problem with. But I get it on a business decision. But I'm just going to pass it to you, Chris. What do you think about these names and going into WWE's Hall of Fame or Vince's personal Hall of Fame, if you will? Well, I mean, I, let's start off with the with the not negative, but in quotations, negative. People are just pissed about Titus O'Neil. Yeah, why are they pissed? Because because uh, Shad Gaspar didn't go in. I mean, that that's seemingly what it is. I, I thought that's what you were alluding to, but I mean, no, I was referring to the Great Khali, but. We can oh, we can yeah. we can tackle that. I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but to me, Titus for what he puts into his community, um, and just just the way he is as a human, being a humanitarian and really working hard on charities, I think that he should be appreciated for that. I hate to say it, but I don't think his wrestling efforts are ever going to make it to the WWE Hall of Fame. So you know, as much as I understand why people are angry, I think that instead, why don't we have a conversation that starting next year, Shad can be the first one a part of this. Why don't we call the, the Warrior Award? Uh, I don't give a fuck what Dana Warrior has to think about it. I'm sorry. I've, I've said my problems Ultimate Warrior many times in the past. He's not a good representation of it. Call it the Chad Gaspar Award and put him in next year would be my reasoning. And I think that's a dialogue that maybe people should take because Ultimate Warrior is not a good person to try to put this award forth. Now, I know that's very, you know, people are going to be aggravated by that concept, but I'm I'm sorry. Someone that take or, you know, loses his life saving his son uh, other than a bigot who didn't even like the wrestling industry and said terrible things about Bobby Heenan and hurt people left WWE when they needed him, even with the championship belt because he wanted a pay raise, uh, the homophobic stuff, the Katrina victim stuff. I just don't think he's a good representative. Shad seems like the spirit of that award. That's just my opinion, but I get why people are having a problem with it. They could have put two people in, but I understand why they're like, all right, celebrity and and, and the other one, uh, the, the Warrior Award or whatnot, we need to just do one this year. But what what's your opinion on that? No, I mean, I tend to agree with you specifically with the Warrior Award, and I don't want to go on too long about it because we've talked about it in the past. But, you know, it, Dana Warrior does seem like she does a lot for her community and cares. Um, you know, she seems kind of opposite of who the ultimate warrior was in some to some extent. But, you know, naming it after someone like that, like you're not going to have a Jimmy Snuka Award, for instance, or an O.J. Simpson Award, uh, not to compare those things, but... You know, in most sports, if someone did something as uh, someone acted as suspect as Ultimate Warrior had over the years, you wouldn't necessarily name an award after him kind of thing. I can't believe it's weird. I hate to say this, but I just can't believe that they gave him this award after all the shit that he did because it wasn't as well known because he wasn't as big as Hulk Hogan. But Hulk Hogan did what he did. And it was like, obviously, you know, you're not going to name a award after fucking Hulk Hogan because of that. It just seems really backwards. I don't understand the appreciation for him. I don't like the Ultimate Warrior. 
I didn't really like the Ultimate Warrior as a kid either, so I don't have the affinity for Ultimate Warrior as other people do, I guess. Um, being growing up more of a WCW guy in general. But, yeah, so I, I agree with you 100% on this one. And, and Chad Gaspar would be a good thing to name the award after because anyone that, like, loses their own life trying to save their child, I mean, that's heroic. That That should be something. And Titus O'Neil getting, as far as Titus O'Neil receiving the award, I think it's brilliant, man. He does a lot for his community. Seems like a really good dude. Uh, he, if he touches Vincent McMahon, he gets suspended for three months. It's uh, <laughs> my kind of guy. No, just all, all joking aside, like Titus O'Neil by no means is blowing minds away with his in-ring ability, but he does a lot for that Be A Star program and going to schools and, and talking to kids about anti-bullying and, and donates a lot of money to charity and just seems like an all-around good dude, like someone you would want to hang out with and maybe have a stake at an Outback or something. Absolutely. How do you feel about the wrestling? We, we kind of talked about it. I'll just lump them all together and we'll go individually over this year. But, you know, last year we had JBL. I think deserves it. You know, a lot of people don't like him, and I can understand why you don't like him. Uh, but as far as a heel... 2000s, reinventing himself after being a part of a huge tag team. British Bulldog, to me, I can't believe it took this long to get Davy Boy Smith in. Uh, New World Order, I can see all of them. All, Sean's happy. I don't think Sean Waltman, to me, is going to get another ring. Maybe way, way later on for his con- contribution in a, in a solo thing. But now that he has one for DX and NWO, he said he's extremely happy and just very fortunate for that. Hogan, Kevin, and Scott, I mean, the NWO was what it was. The Bella Twins, I know people have a problem with it. Uh, I don't. We we were, we were both in the uh, chat section on Tom's show yesterday, and there was a lot of people not happy with that. I get it. I understand. It's very much like the Kali concept. And not only that, Nikki wasn't that bad in the ring. They're both past champions. They're both retired. Put their body out there for WWE. You know, Nikki having to get her neck reconstructed. So I I don't know. That that's the wrestling ones. Um, they all seem pretty damn worthy, right? More so than others. Yeah, there's no one on this list that I just egregiously disagree with. I think it's weird that they're doing um the NWO and also separating Eric Bischoff into his own thing. Like, that's weird. But outside of that, I mean, you know, like, who doesn't want William Shatner in the Hall of Fame, for instance? Oh, and <laughs> William Shatner, too, in the Celebrity Wing. That's pretty cool. Um, the individual awards for Justin Thunderliger, it, I, I'm assuming they're going to put him in the Legacy Awards because he's only had like three matches in WWE or under the WWE umbrella ever. Yeah. So it's that, interesting. I guess they're they're combining his WCW efforts since they own it. Which is, I mean, that's fine, but I, would you consider him a Hall of Famer if you just looked at WCW? No, not necessarily. I mean, him and Pillman's matches are very well known, but I think he's made the biggest parts of his career over in New Japan, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, to me, that's the the biggest thing is, like, well, why is he going to be there, and are you going to throw him? Because they have that weird legacy section where they throw people like Bruiser Brody um, in. You know, what what is him getting? Is he getting inducted into the actual Hall of Fame, or is it just like, this is the old guy we're going to throw it into this wing? So that will be weird to see. But everyone on this list is deserving, and people who are upset about the Bellas – let me tell you this about the Bellas. If you think the Bellas are that terrible, go back and watch a lot of the Divas division. Yes. Um, 
they're not that bad. They're from a time period of uh, female wrestling that should have never existed. And that's a different conversation to be had. But like, as far as wrestlers and what they've done for the company, they're very important. In fact, like more people know who the Bellas are than Trish Stratus. So if you look at it from that standpoint and you have a, an award called the warrior award, like, dial back like how good they were in the ring how much did they mean to the company and the bellas meant a lot and do mean a lot to wwe as a company so as far as like putting someone into a hall of fame while they're not like you know they're not in there with the bret hart work rate it doesn't mean that they weren't important to the company or popular um so i had no problem with them getting in i think people just get up to up their own ass thinking that they are not a certain rate in the ring um but if you look like i said if you look at that entire divas time period and and that's the whole like the women's movement was trying to get away from that but if you look at that entire time period i mean you have like beth phoenix and natalia and outside of that everyone else in that division is like way worse than the bellas if if i'm being completely honest yeah i i don't understand giving a pass i can't believe i'm making this comparison some people in wrestling are more character oriented uh, than they are, you know, wrestling oriented. I think a good example for that, and maybe people will get fucking furious about this, is Bray Wyatt. As when it comes to being creative, Bray's great. When you put him bell to bell, it's impressive that he can do that backbend, you know, uh, whatever the Exorcist coming down the stairs, crab walk thing. Um, but other than that, I don't think he's been every, anything fancy in the ring. Uh, sometimes people. There, there is a different level, and with the Bellas specifically, they were popular on television and brought a lot of eyes to the product that never would have looked beforehand, i.e., the female audience. And even like I said, even though they're probably not as structured as some of the modern females, I always thought Nikki, from what I saw of her, was a pretty good wrestler. Brie was fine, and they're both past champions. And like I said, they both had to retire because of body injuries, so they gave their body to the company, and I, I think that says a lot, honestly. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, man. It's it's just weird to me that people have this hard dislike for the Bellas. Like, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not going to go sit down and watch 20 Bellas matches. But the fact they're good in the Hall of Fame, it's very hard to um, dispute that they deserve to be there when you look at some of the other people that are already in the Hall of Fame <laughs> as far as body of yeah. work goes. Well, let's, let's get to that because there's definitely one of them on this list. Um for this year, but then I think we can both agree Molly Holly should have gone in a long time ago. When it comes to her era, I think of her. I think of Victoria. I think of of Trish, obviously. Lita. I think of Ivory. I think of Jackie as being staples of being amazing female competitors that can go bell to bell, unlike a lot of the extra divas that kind of, you know, were a part of that time. Um, and Molly, you know finding out that she helped Beth Phoenix get into wrestling with that documentary that came out that, which was awesome, by the way, if you didn't get a chance to watch it and paid for her tuition. Cause she knew that she didn't have a lot of money. Seems like a very giving person. She's taught a lot of people in the past. Molly Holly definitely deserves to be in the hall of fame for WWE. I would say. I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, Man, I love every. I love a lot of the stuff Molly Holly was involved with. I love the 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 story between her crash and and uh, hardcore Holly. God, was it Bob Holly? 
Bob uh, Holly. And kind of their weird relationship and, and crash with a hardcore title and her being involved with that. But then, you know, the more serious run that she had is a, a, a serious female competitor in the women's title division. That's when when they started saying, like, we're, you know, the women's revolution, the women's revolution. There was a lot of serious ass females before that. They were really great wrestlers, like you just mentioned, like Ivory, Victoria, uh, you know, Molly Holly, Trish Stratus, Lita. It's just how you present it to some extent. It's more on the company than the actual <laughs> performers because all of those performers that you named and I just named were great female wrestlers. And it's good to see Molly Holly get in there. I think I think that that's probably besides Jushin Thunder Liger, just because I'm a mark. Uh, <laughs> that's one I'm very excited about. That's probably my most happy moment uh, as far as people getting inducted. All right, the next one's Eric Bischoff, and I do agree with you. Um, and honestly, uh, as being a staple in the uh, industry, I mean, it's funny that Vince put um, Fern Gagne in his Hall of Fame years ago, and now he's putting one of his other old competitors uh, that he put out of business, if you will, with Eric. But, I mean, you got to look at Eric and the dynamic of being a heel. Uh, I would say Eric was up there with – you know, Hollywood Hogan and Vince and Triple H is one of the best heels of the Monday Night Wars. And when he came over to WWE, which no one thought, and presented himself as a commissioner, I thought that he was a, an extremely entertaining character. He still continues to be once in a while on Dynamite. So I definitely, I, I personally think that that Eric probably should have been a part of the NWO as a package, but I can see why they're separating it, especially if this was two separate years and we didn't have one of the years stop because of the pandemic. Well, I'll start it off by saying I think it's very well-deserved, but when you have people that are multiple-time Hall of Famers and you don't put Eric Bischoff as part of – like, you don't give him two rings, like he's not part of the NWO, it's just kind of a weird a weird idea, I guess. But, yeah, I, I mean, Eric Bischoff definitely deserves to go go in here. Um. It, it probably shouldn't have taken as long as it did. And is he going in as a character or is he going in as, you know, the man that fought Vince tooth and nail? Which if, if it's the opposite, it's almost like kind of a fuck you award because he eventually lost. Right. But yeah, I mean, Eric Bischoff is very important. Obviously, I liked his own screen character, his on screen character is being, you know, like with Hogan and, and those guys there. Some of that stuff is good. Um He's no theme music. Oh, I'm back. (laughs) Yeah, there's great shit about Eric Bischoff. What what I will say is he's not Vince McMahon as far as an on on screen character goes. No, you know, Vince is just one of the greatest heels of all time. We we still shit on Vince today, probably because it's ingrained in our mind that he's such a terrible person. But uh, as far as like a booker and what he did for WCW, like looking at how they were producing their show and making such major changes and stuff, which eventually changed how we watch wrestling in general, specifically like, you know, with Raw and going live and, and, and being a bigger, a bigger atmosphere, more pyro, bigger arenas, et cetera, that that a lot of that is Eric Bischoff. So I think it's well deserved. Congrats to Eric Bischoff. I'm not the biggest fan of Eric Bischoff. But um, mostly because at the end of WCW, you killed it, which is my childhood show. <laughs> but that being said, uh, 
you know, it is deserved, right? Like, I, I don't think anyone can question that. I, I guess the only thing I would pull out of that is, like, when are they going to put Paul Heyman in? Is Paul Heyman in this fucking Hall of Fame? He needs to be eventually, man. I mean, it's it's coming. He's he's someone – I feel like Undertaker's going in next year because WrestleMania is going to be in Texas. Uh, the Rock needs to eventually go in. Paul Heyman's another person that – these they they got to be happening in the next couple of years. I don't know if it's just you know WWE Vince is weird about if you're still an on-screen character or if you're still wrestling putting you in the Hall of Fame. I don't think Edge would have gone in as soon if they didn't think he was going to be permanently retired or come back from being permanently retired, I should say. Yeah, it's like when you start just throwing random people like Eric Bischoff in though and you don't explain why he's being inducted or his body of work beforehand really is it the wrestling personality or is it that he was behind the scenes? And then like, if you're going to put managers and stuff in there, why the fuck is Paul Ellering not in this motherfucker? That's a good point too, man. That's, there should be a good, I, you know what? I think Paul did go in with LOD when they got inducted all as one group. I'm almost positive. I saw that speech, but I could be wrong. I don't remember. Um, this is my problem with groups and people going in uh, separately is that, now he's just he's part of LOD, right? So like, does he not deserve to be there because of his like individual accolades at what he was doing? It's just so weird with these groups, and I mean that's the same like the same thing I was just talking about with Eric Bischoff. Like, you know, he was also a part of the NWO, a big part of the NWO. If you're gonna give you know Booker T two rings for separate things, or Ric Flair seventeen rings for whatever <laughs> Ric Flair does, which he probably deserves. Um, you know, why would Bischoff not just go in twice with one with a group and one individually? I told you the story about Ric Flair. Randy Orton was talking in an interview. Uh, I think it was busted open. He said that Rick was like, so Randy, when are you going to retire? I want to get my third ring for, uh, for revolution. We got to, we got to speed up the process. Batista's done. Triple H is done. And he was like, chill, Rick, <laughs> just calm down. Flair wants a third ring. He already got it for the horseman individually. He wants all. He wants the most rings out of anyone. He doesn't like everyone tying him. <laughs> Flair needs at least one extra ring in case he has to pawn it or something. He's got some. Oh. <laughs> all right. Let's go into uh, another uh, interesting one. How do you feel about the Great Kali? I think I get it. Obviously, he is not good in the ring. I, I'll just put it that way. But for what he's contributed of starting a school in India and trying to work and branch out and how big of a star he is in India and bringing the popularity of the Indian market to there and the fact that he's a past champion, I get it. I'll just put it that way. But this is the problem is WWE needs to present this, present him as the person that you just described, right? Because unless you're going to dig beneath the covers um, – you're not going to know that about Great Kali. You're just going to think about the Punjabi prison match with John Cena and be like, yeah, that guy's not a Hall of Famer. But if you look at it from all aspects of life, it's the, if that's how you're inducting someone to the Hall of Fame, um, then I think it's probably well-deserved. I have no problem with Great Kali. Like, it's fine. He did exactly – he was an attraction, essentially. Um but, yeah, I mean, him getting in here is not that crazy to me. Like you said, for all the reasons that you stated, Dane. But I feel like they need to do a better job when they do induct someone like the great Kali of describing why they're inducting him. And not just yeah. throw, throw a photo up and go, hey, we're inducting the great Kali. All right, let's move along. 
Yeah, I feel like uh, instead of mentioning all his contributions with the Indian market and being so famous over there, instead of showing that in the package right beforehand, they'll definitely show Beth Phoenix throwing him out of the Royal Rumble after kissing her. Because <laughs> that's a yeah. WWE. I mean, it's, it's a, he, you know, it's a it's a pretty iconic moment though. So like, Kali got his shit in, y'all. <laughs> Um, I think we both agree this guy more than deserves it. Uh, you know, kind of like the early 90s with the new generation era being very separate from the one previous about being a couple iconic characters like Hogan and Savage and Piper and whatnot. The early 90s was all about workers. Uh, the same thing will go for the Ruthless Aggression era compared to the Attitude era where Ruthless Aggression was Kurt Angle. It was Jeff Hardy. It was Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero. Booker T, and RVD, past ECW champion, ECW television champion, obviously, tag champion, and world heavyweight champion, Rob Van Dam, one of the most innovative wrestlers, and very well said by Jim Cornette, someone that had so much finesse that even though he was doing a lot of stuff that could be, if it was slowed down a little bit, a bit ridiculous for any other person, like an Antonio Rocca, you know, Argentina Rocca, he did it so fluidly that it looked legit. And uh, Rob, Rob Van Dam was one of my favorites back in the day, man. So definitely deserving. And I kind of hope to see him maybe have another year with WWE. Um, for some reason, I'll feel like they'll just fucking put him against Matt Riddle, but whatever. Uh, wh- what do you think about our Rob Van Dam being a part of this? I love that the whole fucking show, Rob Van Dam is getting into the Hall of Fame. I think it's very well-deserved. Um, his reign as the champion in WWF, unfortunately, was ended because they have a problem with marijuana, which seems fucking weird to me. Uh, but outside of that, like if you go back and you watch the debut of Rob Van Dam, even people who didn't know him two minutes into that match in WWF, they knew who the fuck he was and was super behind him. He's so... He's so great. There's a natural charisma about him. He, he, you know, him and Sabu as a tag team is so like amazing. If you love ECW and his television title run there or whatever their mid card title was, where he was undefeated for so long, there's so much to like about Rob Van Dam. And it was, you know, it was so sad when they brought him back um, for like a last run in WWF. I mean, not for him because he was getting paid. He probably didn't give a shit, but as a fan, like watching him like job out to like Lucha House Party and shit. It's like, why'd y'all even bring him back? <laughs> I would say that, you know, to some extent, you know, he's on the same level as a Christian and Edge. So it's it's just weird that <laughs> you you guys would bring him back and then treat him with such disrespect because I, I he obviously could have been a lot more in WWF and uh, you know, the drug I feel like they're doing the same thing with Rey Mysterio right now. To an extent. Yeah. No, yeah, you're 100% right. It's the same thing. They they don't understand why those people are over. It'll happen with Jeff Hardy as well. Like, they yes. won't understand why Jeff Hardy... Like, well, they're, they're kind of doing it with the way they book him now, but they won't understand why Jeff Hardy was ever a, a Hall of Famer or why he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, which is just ridiculous. But, um, yeah, Robin Dam, absolute legend. Super excited to see him go in. Uh, I hope his best friend and former tag team partner inducts them. I haven't heard anything, but wouldn't it be great if Sabu walks up to the mic and points to the sky? 
Oh, God, giving Sabu a live mic, that might be a little scary, but, you know, I, I feel, I, I think I know who's going to induct him. I'm, I'm pretty sure Paul Heyman's probably going to induct him, but Bill, Sabu would be a Bill fun. Bill Alfonso is going to induct him. Or Bill Alfonso, man. A lot of people forget about his contribution towards it. I will also say that as much as the modern generation is influenced, obviously, by the new generation WWE era with Sean and Brett and whatnot and Owen and the Nitro era with the Cruiserweights with Dean and Eddie and then also your tag teams for the TLC stuff, Jeff Hardy, Edge, Christian, Rob Van Dam and also his, one of his best dance partners, if not his best dance partner, Jerry Lynn, were just as big as influences, if not two of the biggest, I would say, towards modern wrestling. Uh, your Kenny Omegas and AJ Styles learned a lot from those two guys in general, especially RVD. I, specifically with like any kind of huge dive spot, you look at like RVD, Sabu, and uh, Jerry Lynn. They were doing that shit like way before everybody else, right? So, I mean, you you would see some of it in lucha wrestling, but it, not to the same extent as as what they were doing, where you're leaping into the goddamn crowd and stuff. I, I agree with you 100% on this, and, and I think we even had a, a come to Jesus meeting about people and their love for Jerry Lynn while shitting on RVD not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chuck Taylor decided to say a chuckle fuck comment. Um, and I will still say, I, I think that RVD was right with his little promo on impact and the hot tub was beautiful. Uh, wife, uh, saying like, oh, okay, you guys want to talk shit about me? Well, guess what? You know, hate to say it, but your style probably wouldn't be as popular without me fucking innovating it. So, um, and I think Rob, <laughs> I'd love to see him continue that cocky heel run for a year in, in WWE and put people in their place. I want to see some matches with him and Jeff Hardy again. They had a fucking amazing match. Well, probably matches, but specifically the one I'm remembering was on, I think, SmackDown years back. And uh, put him against Matt Riddle. Put him against a lot of people. It would be a lot of fun. Him and Ray uh, would be awesome. You know, get some mileage out of him. Is RBD still signed to Impact? No, currently? no, no. No, okay. he's not. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it would be great to see him and Kenny Omega work, honestly, if they, they wanted to do something like that. I think that would be a hell of a lot of fun. I'm not saying that RVD can be a guy that's going to be there week in and week out and, and be a star at this point in his life because we've all watched ECW, and he is an older guy. He does have his own CBD brand, by the way, so, like, CBD people out there, buy it from Rob Van Dam. Um, <laughs> but, man, that that's a lot of mileage on that body. But I would love to see him and Kenny Absolutely. Omega, especially if he came back into Impact for some reason to work against Kenny Omega. That would just be a fun fucking match. Well, on the WWE side, I'd love to see him and AJ have another feud now that AJ's even more established since their last time uh, where he won the title against Rob Van Dam and Impact. Yeah, I mean, that would be awesome as well. I guess I was just thinking about people I haven't seen him face, you know. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And shit, maybe he can get Jerry Lynn to come out for one last match on Dynamite. You know, some type of since he we don't did Jerry ever get a retirement match, an impact or anything? See, the the thing that the people there's this rose colored glasses with Jerry Lynn because he was never treated that well in the wrestling industry. Um, what is it? What is the what is the statement about uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride? Yeah. Very kind of like a to Dolph Ziggler or Brad Armstrong in the 80s. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, if you look at like, let's say 2005 to 2008 TNA, like there's a lot of Jerry Lynn. It's really good. And he has these great matches. And 
but like he was like he wouldn't be a guy that you think that you need to have that big retirement match for because yeah. one you wouldn't know if he was actually retiring or not. <laughs> so um, no, he didn't get a, a proper send away. But him versus RVD would be one hell of a one. A lot of stuff that can happen. But anyways, let's get into I think the biggest just because I know this this gentleman gave a lot to the business and it helped him out a lot too because he's gone to politics. But I've always found Glenn Jacobs to be an extremely nice guy. Uh, he's a libertarian, so he gets that little, you know, slide eye for me at least. Uh, but, you know, mayor of Knox County, I love the video of Undertaker telling me he's going to get inducted. They both got kind of emotional during it. I think Undertaker's actually probably going to induct him is what I'm assuming. And Kane fucking deserves it, man. Kane probably should have gone in several years ago. This is my personal favorite induction for both years. I'm very happy that Kane gets to go into the Hall of Fame. Same, man. People that listen to the show know how much I, I fucking love Kane. I think he's underrated as hell. He's probably one of the greatest big man wrestlers of all time, especially the way he moves in the ring. Um, the only thing that makes it a little bit weird is he's going in before Taker. You know, so that, I mean, that part of it makes it a little weird. Um, but outside of that, man, like, there's no way you can be mad that, that Kane is going into the Hall of Fame. And, and all I hope for is after he's done with his speech, he, you know, drops his hands and Pyro goes off. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> so this has been pre recorded. It's going to come out uh, Tuesday night. I'll definitely be checking it out. Uh, I just really am curious of what the great Kali's speech will be like. <laughs> Sick, twisted fucking reasoning, I know. Uh, I mean, it'll probably just be like, hey, I really appreciate that you guys put me in the Hall of Fame, and that'll be it. Like, he doesn't need to say that much, honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just kidding, because he's got a, he's got that Andre the Giant voice, obviously. He's a big dude. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> uh, Man, I love Andre so much. You remember he was in The Longest Yard, the remake with uh, Adam Sandler? Yeah. That's uh, another contribution that should get him added to this Hall of Fame. <laughs> God, hearing stories of Austin, I forgot who he was talking to. Oh, he was talking to uh, that Italian comedian. That's Joey Diaz. They were they were talking about The Longest Yard and how it was a party every fucking night, but so just ridiculous when they were filming, just very unorganized and, you know, nailing each other on the football field and how it was like, them and Adam and and Burt Reynolds and Goldberg just getting and Kevin Nash all of them just getting hammered every night at the hotel sounded like a good time just will say that yeah that sounds like the greatest party story you could ever tell someone you're like man I went downstairs and Burt Reynolds and Kevin Nash were lit <laughs> yeah man all right so let's talk about some bullshit uh, we'll go over Raw and this is the first segment that starts it off. They take they take the belts off of Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander and put it on the New Day, get them out of the tag title picture after having the titles for as long, and then because, quote-unquote, you know, put them against Drew McIntyre, Drew beats both of them in a handicap match, and that prompts on Raw them kicking them out. Uh, apparently, weird... Bobby Lashley and MVP had a long meeting with Vince McMahon over the Hurt Business and were very pissed off by this decision. And uh, apparently Vince, because they already had talked to him when he first displayed this idea that they didn't like it, this was right before Raw. And Vince, quote-unquote, dug his heels in even more at the meeting. 
and uh, yeah, they they try to try to work it out. Did not happen. Um, and we had a I'm gonna say it's it's pretty sad a message from Shelton Benjamin on Twitter that I really don't think was uh, you know a work. I think it was more shoot. In which he said the events of this past week have been beyond infuriating, frustrating, and disappointing, but sadly comes as no surprise. With uh, you know, um, what you call it, uh, not Kofi Kingston, uh, Xavier Woods replying, "By definition, we are enemies, but I can't help but to also be upset about the betrayal you endured." I don't think this is talking about Bobby Lashley and MVP. I think people are pissed off. By this decision, MVP tried to sell it the best he could on Twitter, but apparently he was very unhappy with this. I don't see the need for this. I, If you want to have New Day, I, I, I forgot the fucking tag team that New Day is supposed to be going against. That's how abysmal this is. So why couldn't you have Cedric and Shelton going into WrestleMania, at least tag champions? If you want to do a three-way or just them against the New Day, just do that. And if they lose, they lose, but... I just think this was really stupid. Why is it that everyone is building factions like New Japan, or at least AEW is, while the Undisputed Era and the Hurt Business get fractured? I don't get it. Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I, the only reason I can think of is they want a they want a reason why Bobby Lashley would lose the title with a faction, especially building them as uh, building him as hard as they have, so there's no fallback. If Drew wins at Mania, that'd be my guess as far as breaking up the group. Now, how they're they've treated you know Shelton and, and Cedric, we've went on and on about in the past. It's it's a bit ridiculous, but yeah, there's no reason why they couldn't be challenging for the tag titles or doing something relevant. But also, there's too many tag titles in WWE in general, and not enough tag teams. So that's all. <laughs> it almost gets into a whole different issue. I wonder if Shelton, if he could do it again, if he would have just stayed and wrestled in Japan. Honestly, probably. Just just really frustrating. I mean, it's good for him because, you know, he didn't take out all those bumps or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, would you have rather been doing like, would you have rather been a big part of like G1 when Omega and people were running through there versus just not doing anything for three years, essentially? Which is I, I can't you know I can't even remember the last time I saw Shelton in a match. Which granted I don't watch a lot of Raw, but he he has been sidelined for a long time. I mean they put him in a tag team with uh, Kurt Angle's actual son <laughs> for a while, and then that's like that's the uh, that's the you know they put him in a tag team with Chad Gable, and that's really the best memories I have of him. If if I'm looking back on his current WWE run. Yeah, man, I I don't get this. I still kind of want Bobby to beat Drew. That's fine. It's not – I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I definitely don't like them splitting up the group. I'll just leave it at that. Um, let us know what you think. Contact us on Twitter, something. Let's have a conversation about it, and I'll give over all that at the end of the show. Let's move on to, I would say – well, actually, one thing real quick, because it's a pretty big milestone. I wanted to uh, just say thank you to the Cowboy James Storm. He had his thousandth match on Impact, uh, well, just just on Impact, uh, the, the television show. So a thousand matches on that platform, and he was a part of the main event. Um, really good match. 
that unfortunately Eric Young ended up getting a little bit uh, injured for a little bit. I think he's going to be out for six months, actually. But it was a good match, and it was cool to see Chris Harris come back. They had a bit of a stare down and a hug. I'd like to see them back as a tag team. I've only seen a little bit from the early stuff of TNA on Pluto TV with them, but they seem like a legitimate tag team before beer money even was around back when Bobby was a part of team Canada uh, with Scott Demore and also actually Eric young and, and all the other members of that. Um, so just thank you, cowboy. Uh, you're a badass. You know, some of, some part of me would like to see you in something besides impact, but cause I really enjoyed him in NWA, but you know, whatever he wants to do, He's now in a tag team with Chris Saban while Alex is out, and they have proven to be a pretty damn good tag team, so I guess we'll see. Um, what do you think, Chris, on the Cowboy? Sorry about your damn luck. <laughs> I love Cowboy James Storm. I love America's Most Wanted in the early TNA years. Love Beer Money, obviously. Two of my favorite tag teams for the past, like, 20, 20 25 years is, you know, Beer Buddy and, and Motor City Machine Gun, some of the stuff they were doing as a tag team in TNA versus what was happening in, in the rest of the wrestling world was absolutely incredible. I mean, you get point to people like the Briscoes or El Generico and Kevin Owens and, and stuff like that. But like as far as like what I would consider like a 1980s type tag team where it's two guys and it makes sense, like Beer Money, Motor City Machine Guns, two of my favorites of all time. Absolutely love it. Um congratulations for your 1,000th math. That, that's insane to think that someone has wrestled 1,000 matches on the same product. And even in like uh, hockey or something where you play 82 games a year, that's still a lot. And that is a lot of matches. It's <laughs> a lot of bumps. And uh, James Storm is a great one, whether he's being a heel or uh, in a tag team or whatever. He's always been someone that I was kind of drew to. It's just unfortunate that they, you know, that, we we won't probably ever get to see the reunion of Beer Money, which makes me sad. But I would love to see one last Beer Money Motor City Machine Guns match just for old time's sake. Absolutely, man. And, um, you know, James, a lot of people, when they think of TNA, I feel, probably think of AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, Abyss, Bobby Roode, but... Kind of to how Undertaker is perceived with WWE and Sting is perceived to WCW, I really feel like James Storm is that one guy that's always he might have left for for little time periods, but been a mainstay of holding it down at Impact. Past champion, he kind of is that same type of concept, or your Tommy Dreamer of ECW, if you will. Yeah, hundred percent agree, man. He's been there since the beginning. I don't remember an Impact where. James Storm wasn't there to some level. And it was the same way with Eric Young until he went to NXT, honestly. Like, those guys have been there. Even if you could, like you said, go back and watch some of the old shit on Pluto, they'll randomly be there. Even if they're not a big part of the card, they're they're there. Um, James Storm, one of the only TNA shirts I own, it just says sorry on the front. And on the back it says not sorry. And it has, like, the... Uh, you know, little bathroom signs and he's super kicking someone, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I love James Storm so much. And, and like you said, you know, not only should he just had his thousandth match, if they haven't inducted him into the Impact Hall of Fame, he should be. He should probably be their next inductee. Absolutely. Easily. 
Absolutely, dude. Well, thank you, James. And let's get to our big last news uh, item before we start covering some of the shows. I think this is a big deal. I mean, Sports Illustrated's on it. When WWE dropped this news, they had, like, you know, the Jericho countdown going on. And you're like, what? Um, what? And as soon as that happens, Chris Jericho releases uh, on his platform. And I believe AEW released links to this on Facebook with Chris saying, ha, 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 breaking the fourth wall down or something like that to that extent. Um, Chris Jericho, the night out, the, the night of WrestleMania, the last night of WrestleMania, next Sunday, we're recording this on a Saturday, by the way, they're going into Broken Skull Sessions, and they might get one of their biggest pops. This is going to be on Peacocks. So it's a huge deal for them. Stone Cold's going to be, uh, you know, talking to Chris Jericho about his career. And from what I hear, he's going to go over it, it in its entirety. Chris Jericho, obviously, is one of the biggest names that AEW got. And um, apparently he was giving, you know, uh, an okay from, from TK, from Tony Khan, to do this. Obviously, Tony Khan has a lot of respect for both Steve Austin and Chris Jericho. But here is a quote that Steve Austin told Sports Illustrated. I was having a beer one night after my Broken Skull Sessions interview with The Undertaker aired, and out of the blue, Chris Jericho reached out to me and said, man, that was a great interview, Austin says. I send him a couple of those emoji things, one of a beer mug and the other of an eagle, and then he called me right after that. He probably called you because he had no idea what the fuck that meant, Austin, just to let you know. <laughs> Them emoji a couple emojis, what? A beer mug, what? A martini, what? A Bloody Mary, what? And an eagle. <laughs> and an eagle. We got talking. I've always respected the hell out of his career, and I'm glad they're around. Referencing AEW. It gives the guys and girls in professional wrestling more place to work. I said, what? I'd love to have you on the show. What? And he said he'd love to do it. So I checked with Vince McMahon about it. Austin made a career out of cutting. Okay, no, 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 I just want the next quote. Fuck off, Sports Illustrated. I text Vince and said, we had this badass idea about Jericho coming on the show. Austin says, Vince, Vince said, go with it. It's cool. Uh, go ahead. But me and Vince don't always do well with the whole phones and texting things and all that. So I texted one more time. Are you sure it's okay to have Chris Jericho on the show? Vince gave me a thumbs up and Chris uh, came out to do the show. Um, and I think there was another quote. Jericho is one of the most influential wrestlers over the last 30 years, and he's still going strong, Austin said. The guy has gotten over in every territory he's been a part of. Chris has always been able to reinvent himself and do something fresh and new. Completely agree. He's a worker's worker and a student of the game. Think about all the holy shit moments he's had in his matches or how he can light up a place on a microphone. Chris is one of the biggest personalities in wrestling. He's the real deal. We're going into everything, Austin says. Jericho is one of the all-time greats, and it's going to be cool to have someone from AEW on a WWE show. Uh, to bottom line it, I'm excited for the people to watch this show. Um, and I I do think this is a, is, is a big uh, this is a big deal, man. Um, you know, someone. The, I think it was the announcement was in the uh, Twitter section of Jericho announcing it. And some gentleman said, it's not really a forbidden door. It's just, that's right. It was Chris Jericho's where he said, 
uh, breaking the forbidden wall down, and he just left a link for it. It's not real, really a forbidden door. It's just an interview to talk about his WWE era days and small, tiny mentions of AEW. And someone replied to him and said, oh, I'm sorry. Can you name the other non-WWE contracted current rival uh, national TV promotion star that WWE has featured on their current programming and interviews? I love how you act like this is an everyday occurrence and no big deal. P.S. I bet they talk about New Japan, too. Um, and I think they will. I think they're going to go into all those things. And, uh, you know, I, I have more to say about it, Chris, but I'm just going to pass it to you. Why is this not that big of a deal and why is this a big deal? Everyone being like kindly weirdly upset about this instead of focusing on the fact that Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin send text messages to each other is the most baffling part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on that. Anyways, I texted Vince, what? Sent him a couple beer emojis and the eagle. I said, I'm going to have Chris Jericho on. He said, who? I said, Y2J. I said, what? <laughs> Oh man, okay, I'm I'm done doing the Stone Cold. Though I could do it forever, it's so great. Um, it's amazing. I think it's really really cool. It makes it's gonna make Vince look like a genius because people have to switch to Peacock for WrestleMania, and this is airing after WrestleMania. So he's just capturing the AEW audience. Even if you're you like fuck WWE, but you love Chris Jericho. Well, now you got to buy Peacock to watch it. So from that standpoint, it's very smart on Vince's side. I'm sure when Stone Cold told Vince that, he's like, I'll just record it however the hell I want, and when it shows, it shows. Because, I mean, it is a WWE-produced thing, so he can cut out and edit whatever the hell he wants unless there's some kind of contract where Jericho's like, no, we have to talk about this for this amount of time, etc. <laughs> the weird part is, like, why the hell would Ta Tony Khan allow this to happen? Doesn't do anything for his company. They're going to show this right after WrestleMania, and they can kind of do whatever they want to with it. Because it's, it's going to be a WWE-produced thing. Um, so that part's a bit weird to me. But, uh, you know, it's very cool, man. I'm looking forward to it. I, I People forget that Jericho's been around since, like, Smoky Mountain Wrestling days. He was in ECW. He's been in Japan. He's been in... I mean, there's so much of his career that they could talk about. And if they handle it the same way they do The Undertaker's... It, it should be great, man. I, I love these Broken Skull Ranch podcasts it, or live shows or whatever they do. The way they break it down is is great. It's a little different than his actual podcast was. But I think this is better produced, I guess, to, to some extent. And it seems more linear versus like uh, the uncensored version of the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast. Um, but it's cool, what? man. What? <laughs> uncensored podcast one <laughs> uh, shout out to podcast one um <laughs> no just all hire us <laughs> yeah give us money please uh now all that being said i think it's gonna be really really cool it is just weird that they're gonna do it right after mania and tony khan's just like yeah jericho just do you i guess like uh, i don't know man you're putting a lot of faith in vince not to do some fucking shenanigans Let's go. All right. So one side of me goes and Jim Cornette was talking about this. And I mean, this is not this is the, the nature of the beast. I think obviously Vince at the beginning of AEW saw somewhat of a threat. So what do you do? He signed a bunch of people that he didn't need so that they wouldn't end up in AEW and also put NXT 
off the network, put it to two hours on USA, propose that whole entire deal with USA, and put them to compete with AEW. AEW has their fans. They have their core audience. Uh, TNT's happy with what they're doing. They're doing more than any of their programming would be doing, and they're growing. And now with NXT, they are by themselves. But I don't see Vince thinking it's much of a threat from what Big Show said, from what Christian said. You know, James kind of let he kind of laid it down where it's like, think about this. Okay. If that is true, that Vince called them and, and, and wished them good luck, you know, to their thing, he doesn't have anything to do for them. You know, they want to still do stuff in their career, especially a big show, send them to the other fucking company. So they'll pay him more than you're willing to pay them on a legends contract. Try to keep them sidelined, let them make money. And then eventually if they want to come back legends deal, finish up their career, go to the hall of fame, you can use them from the momentum that they've added while being an AW. It, it makes a lot of sense. I just don't think Vince is really too worried about AW. And with Chris, Chris has stated, you know, the way he left and everything, he considers, like Kurt Angle said, like Austin said, Vince somewhat of a father figure. He learned a lot from Vince, and they had, until he left for New Japan, a pretty damn good relationship. So... I don't know. I, do you think that Vince is probably just not even worried about it and just realizes, hey, that teen demographic that doesn't watch really our shows, that watches that show, we can get their eyes on our Peacock network to watch Chris Jericho. So hard with Vince because he's been a step ahead of the game for so long. I mean, he just sold his entire wrestling network to Peacock, right, with down numbers on wrestling. <laughs> think about that. Um Maybe he just realizes... Or the, or the Fox out. deal with SmackDown, man. <laughs> Maybe he just realizes the way of wrestling and live TV is going a different way. So th- there, these live TV battles don't actually matter. So giving the fans what they want is probably more important at this time, Barry. Because, I mean, if you look at this, man, like... And I've had this conversation. I think, like, Tom brought it up on his show yesterday is, like, what is going to push – what would be the thing that pushes AEW over the threshold and, and, and makes them actually competition for WWE? Well, WWE is doing 2 million viewers, right? <laughs> so you're talking 45% of viewers. Um, it's it's just such a weird, weird thing that we're still in this, like, ratings battle thing or whatever. But uh, as far as, like – I mean, it, for Vince, it's great because he's going to throw this on after Mania. And like I said, it's going to force people to buy Peacock. It's just a great business decision for him, especially he's going to control the content. <laughs> That's yep. what's baffling about the the other side of it. This is like having your heavyweight champion go wrestle somewhere, but you don't know if he's going to win or lose. We've we've had that conversation multiple times. Like, well, yeah, if you're going to send your champion over there with like Kenny Omega, like if he went to Japan and wrestled Okada for the title or or, or um, uh, God Kota or something, it's like, well, it's got to be a time limit draw. Got to make both guys look good. Vince doesn't care. <laughs> Tony Khan should uh should have noticed this. That that's why it's weird to me that it's even happening that he agreed to it. I mean, I get they're both legends or whatever, but you know. Jericho's been on his podcast in the past and vice versa. Like none of this is going to be new stuff. It's just weird. You're giving WWE content for their WrestleMania weekend. So that brings me to the thing that we should theorize, put on the, the blinders of 
completely what if, <laughs> not thinking that any of this could happen, but let's go over some stuff, man. All right, so what is in it for TK? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, obviously, the AEW stars on WWE, you're pissing off your fans that hate WWE in the name of AEW, and you're also forcing a lot of them that don't have a problem with it to have to get Peacock to be able to get this, which is WWE's thing, and they're trying to do huge numbers during that weekend. But what if this – because this is probably from a month or two ago when this happened. If, if Undertaker's first interview with Austin aired a couple months ago, so if they – probably filmed the one with Jericho a month later. It's still a couple months ago. Chris Jericho had a great relationship with Vince. He has a great relationship with Tony Khan. If you listen to his podcast, he really goes in depth into, you know, in the past, I've been listening to it for years, how and him and Vince talk and how he's one of those guys that puts it to Vince, you know, straight up on a lot of concepts. And Vince doesn't mind giving him back straight up honesty too. And they, they just have that relationship. He trusts him. Um, now, this whole entire thing didn't help with him going to New Japan, then forming AEW and being their prime star and their first champion. But now that things have settled, could this be a possibility for at least building towards the future? And what I mean by that, and I don't see this happening, but I'm just putting this out there. What if Chris called up Vince after he filmed it or even before he filmed it, after he, Vince gave it an OK and was like, hey, man, I want to talk to you and went to Vince and was like, look, we have a fresh thing on our side. You know, um, we're never going to fucking beat WWE. You guys are a corporate entity. You're like a Coca-Cola and shit like that. But your demographic that's missing from your product is the demographic that we have. Maybe in the future, some type of crossover-like thing could be beneficial for the companies. Now, I don't know how we do it about champions or whatnot or anything like that, but think about it. We could start this off, you know, before we did anything with the main product, we could start this off with NXT, do an actual invasion angle that works out. I'm just saying, Vince, you know, I've talked to Tony about it. It seems like if you can get your teen audience up, even if we just start with NXT and then just give the possibility about going from there, you know, we're in contact with Impact. We're in contact with the biggest Mexican product with AAA, the biggest Japanese product with New Japan. Um, you know, maybe we can eventually do business. and try to get that a step forward. Now, Vince could be like, no, fuck off. But I'm just saying, could that conversation, knowing their relationship and how Chris Jericho, let's just say it, he's blunt about stuff. He's, he's admitted that with what he'll tell Tony. He's admitted that what he'll tell Vince. And, um, you know, he doesn't always get his way. Like he was, one of the things that made him leave is that Vince wouldn't fucking keep the, a championship match with him and Kevin Owens. That prompted him to saying, fuck this and splitting afterwards. But I'm just wondering, if this could cause some changes in the future with WWE, who started off as a territory grabber and eater, you know, finally kind of loosening it to try to gain back their teen audience with their product and also doing work with AEW, which then at least would 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 help out uh, AEW uh, beneficially. Is it possible, Chris? It's possible, but unlikely. Uh, just because Vince is going to book those guys however the hell he wants to book them. So, you know, at the end of the day, it would end up hurting AEW more than helping them. I mean, they're going to get more exposure, I guess. Uh, what to me, what I took out of this is maybe Jericho is, uh, you know, jabbing Austin a little bit. He's like, don't you want one more match against like, you know, John Moxley? 
you've seen these televised. If Sting can do it, you can do it, Austin. That's kind of what I gathered out of this more than anything else yeah. as far as a reasoning. Because that would be something that would set, like, huge markers in AEW. If, uh, if Austin shows up and fights John Moxley, right? In some kind of production street fight type deal. I, I don't know that it gets much bigger than that, but I love the idea of them working together. I think it'd be cool. Like, there's a lot of great matches I would love to see. It's just who's booking them, <laughs> and you, you know, with the invasion angle we've seen in the past and how they've treated people from other shows when they come over. Even more recently, with like Bobby Roode or whatever, when he got to the main roster, uh, Vince just does what Vince wants to do. So that's always going to be the uh, the handicap there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's, you know, a feather floating in the fucking wind, but the thought and the concept is out there. I'm just going to give, and I'll give you time to kind of think of it if you want. Uh, if, 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 if we were to have some type of interaction in the future, and I think they would most likely go to NXT first because they would want to mess with this experiment. I just, that's that's how Vince is. Man, if you give me an NXT versus AEW pay-per-view, MJF versus Adam Cole, first and foremost. Uh, I think the, one of the main events should be Chris Jericho versus Triple H, I think would be fucking fun, in essence, if you will. Um, man, Kenny Omega versus Finn Balor, especially the belts on him. That would be fucking amazing. You know, I don't know. I, I just think that a lot of this stuff, oh, Moxley versus Champa, I think would be a must on that. Um, there's a lot of cool things they could do. Basically, they love all all those guys are friends with each other. That's already been established. So to be able to get these crazy ass matchups would be fucking would, would just would be awesome. I, I'll just say that. Oh yeah, man, it would be great. I mean, it's the same thing as when we used to fantasy both like WCW versus WWF and the kind of matchups you could have like Taker versus Sting, right? Yep. Um, but. To me, the the one that I'd want to see the most is Moxley versus this version of Roman Reigns. Yeah, I mean, if <laughs> we go, if we go, I hate to say this, but if we go to the, you know, the main products of Raw and SmackDown, it even gets crazier. Because, yeah, if you can get, man, what about a Shield three-way match? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, yeah, that'd be, I mean, it would be great, especially if Kenny Moxley and AJ. But here's the other thing, like what I was getting at with the, with Austin, could you imagine how big for business it would be? And, and you can take time to think about this if you want. You know, if you could convince Austin to have his one last match, which they've been trying to do for years, and it almost happened with CM Punk. Yep. To have it against Moxley on your product. You know, like in like uh, a cinematic match or like a street fight like they did with Sting and Darby recently. Those are so well done. He, he's seen AJ. it with Sting. He's seen it with Undertaker. Like, while he doesn't want to go out there and have, like, you know, a 20-minute actual wrestling match, Austin can do that. He like, can do a bar brawl. Yeah. Are you kidding like, me? <laughs> it would be amazing. So, I'm just trying to think of the angle of why AEW would think this is a good idea during WrestleMania weekend. And that's the only thing I could think of is that they're trying to grease the wheels to get Austin to come in. Because he's not under a wrestling contract. I mean, he's under a WWE production contract, but technically, I guess he could go wrestle wherever the hell he wanted to. It's a very interesting concept. I don't know if he has a Legends contract maybe in place, but 
I mean, I don't know. I this is this is good. Just regardless, uh, is it good for AEW if there's nothing else afterwards? Probably not. I mean, I guess I'm assuming they're gonna put their logo on it and shit like that. So you're gonna get some exposure to AEW during it. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. But uh, this definitely excited me, and I, I liked the enthusiasm of Austin and also Jericho when they were displaying it on Twitter and everything. Uh, and WWE just even saying it with their social media people, you know, like, oh, what does this mean? Like kind of amping it up. Fans are happy when this stuff happens. Fans aren't happy when people can't get over their ego and their business minds. I think that's the biggest thing in wrestling. Definitely the moving to separate nights, I think, took this a lot further than it probably would have went if they were staying on the same night. Because now they're not in direct competition yeah. anymore. You know, they're. They're just two different wrestling products. And uh, and like, you know, Cornette said in the past, and, and like you stated earlier, maybe Vince just doesn't see it as a threat, which is fine. <laughs> and if that's the case, that just means that we're going to get cool stuff like this. Like, you know, I would love to see Sting and Austin sit down and uh, kind of break down his career in the same way they did Undertaker. I mean, there's a lot of the stuff like Taz would be cool on, on Stone Cold's. Yeah, like, you know, it, I love everything about this. It's weird. And I guess we're going to have to see how it plays out because I don't trust, you know, WWE. <laughs> that's the, that's the, me, too. <laughs> that's the thing. We, 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 we know the uh, rose colored glasses WWE puts with their history in a lot of situations. So I, I want to see how this thing gets edited and put on the network, honestly, versus probably what was recorded. That's the biggest question. I'm also curious of like how Triple H feels about it a little bit, but um, I just got to say that I love that this is going to be, this is going to be one of the biggest ones that they've done. And they've had an interview on, on his podcast before and Jericho's gone and stuff, but this will be huge. Uh, I think the undertaker is probably the biggest part one, part two, the whole thing together. I think there's only one person that I can say is my ultimate dream person to talk to Stone Cold Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin in long form about his career that would exceed even Taker or Chris Jericho. Do you know what that is, Chris? Terry Funk. No, I love Terry Funk. <laughs> don't don't get me wrong. I think Austin <laughs> would have a hell of a lot of fun with that. But it's The Rock. I want them to talk about their career together. I want to talk about Rocky by himself where he went in Hollywood, him and Austin are so like they are, they were bigger in their time than I will say like Hulk and Macho Man were in theirs. They got such a huge level, one with the wrestling world and one outside of the wrestling world. And they were so a part of each other's career that needs to happen in the future. I know the rock does 5 million fucking things nonstop, but especially if he ever makes a stop at mania, I hope part of that whole entire thing is Stone Cold sitting down with The Rock. They're good friends. They only are texting buddies at this point in their career. You know, Austin says that he'd love to do an interview with them, but, you know, Rock's busy, but they keep up with each other at least through texts. They need to get that fucking interview at Iron Out. I would assume they have to do it when they induct The Rock, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, dude. What I, Career on the line against title on the line against Roman Reigns at Mania, very similar to to, to Rick against Sean, but with you could have the title involved if you want to keep Roman on that. Maybe next year, Hall of Fame, um, and also Austin and him in an interview. 
And now that they're the doing off. these like all music teasers, they should pay up and get my way from Limp Biscuit again. God damn, dude. <laughs> to set it up. Dude, look, we're Vince, we're writing this shit for you, dude. Get Rock on the phone. <laughs> pay us. Damn it. All right, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna tell you uh, the stupidity that happened on Raw. There was so much of it, Chris, that it's incredible. Now we already went into the fact that they broke up the hurt business. We talked about that. Uh, hold um, on, before we go forward, I I want to preface our listeners and just let them know, as we've talked about in the past, I've stopped watching Raw. I'm only looking at highlights. Just want to give you guys a heads up. Yeah. I don't blame you. I don't. I, if I don't know why I watch it anymore. This one was, and if you're a big fan of Raw, I'm sorry if I'm offending you, but I just don't know what the hell you would have seen in this show. I just think that everything was egregious. There was no reason to break up the hurt business. Um, you have Riddle and Sheamus out of nowhere, and Sheamus beats Riddle in a non-title match, and now they're going to be. It was just to get Sheamus basically in a match against Riddle for the U.S. title, but your champion loses. Uh, don't really understand that fucking process. What do we got going on? Um, oh, the whole entire Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon thing. This has been just so much fun. Um, you know, I, I love it. And Braun Strowman destroyed pretty much every single person besides Shane, um, after he killed, uh, Jackson Riker in a match. Hope that you guys love this. What's building up. Oh, we got to see the wonderful, Hey, hey, hop, hop music video from The Miz and John Morrison um, with them dressed as fucking bunny rabbits. I think I text you about that, Chris, if you'll remember. Um, <laughs> you, you did. And I was like, I'm glad I'm not watching Raw. <laughs> that was my exact uh, sent back to you. Oh, my God. Randy Orton continues to kill himself by cutting great promos, but about a the, a few that I don't care about. And then the retort of having Alexa Bliss with her scary, spooky black eyes on the swing set and the fiends next to her. Holy shit. Bobby Lashley destroyed Shelton Benjamin um, and is going to be going against uh, Cedric Alexander on Monday because, you know, that's what we have to do. Um, I don't understand why New Day is going against Amis and AJ. I, I guess they didn't have anything for AJ to do besides this. Ah, what the fuck? This is not even hard. They were playing <laughs> games like charades, rock'em sock'em robots, Pictionary, with a giant dude that can't tell what a fucking sunshine is. <laughs> so I I did like this part of the show, Dane, though, because they're doing all this stuff, and then almost is just like, what the fuck are y'all doing? And just starts whipping ass, <laughs> like he no sold all of their games. That is a good point. I will give you that, man. But I just. To me, I mean, it just makes Amos look like a dumbass. And I'm just I don't excited know. to see uh, Creed and uh, AJ Styles in the ring together. Consequences Creed versus TNA AJ Styles. It's like a, an old dream match of back in the past. Yeah. And, oh, and then and then Drew McIntyre went in the locker room because Bobby, who of course needs this for some fucking reason, even though he's a monster, got the wrestling whole entire locker room to put a hit on Drew McIntyre, take him out before mania. So Drew went in there and challenged all the quote unquote nobodies and decided to have a match with him and Ricochet where he killed Ricochet. Then Mustafa Ali attacked him 
uh, after the match, and then had another match against Mustafa Ali in which he killed him. Is it bad that I forgot Ricochet was on the roster? Oh, God damn it. No, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, Shayna on SmackDown gets pinned. Shayna on Raw gets pinned against Naomi. That's your tag champion. She's got to take the L's. I guess she's taking the L at fucking Mania. Uh, well, has any of this been, like, awesome to you? Uh, almost no-selling the whole charades thing was pretty funny. I did see that clip. <laughs> that was, I mean, I liked that, I guess. Oh, um, God, I like, all right. I, I like that. I like the idea of that tag match. I do like Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. If yeah. they don't do some bullshit around it. Um, Sheena getting pinned. Vince just doesn't, he's not, he's not in it. He's not into her, obviously. Specifically the way he's been booking her. No, he likes Reginald instead. <laughs> oh, my God. So this gets even more egregious. So after Shayna already lost, we have a contract signing between Asuka and Ripley. And after some words, Rhea Ripley takes the the table and throws it at Asuka after Asuka was yelling at her in Japanese. And Asuka sold the whole entire time like she was knocked fucking unconscious <laughs> while the tag champions come out talk shit to Ripley, and Ripley says, we'll take on you to, for those tag titles. The same fucking thing they did with Bianca and fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, um, oh my god, the champion, uh, uh, Bianca and, um, let me think of Shayna Baszler. What's, what's the uh, SmackDown champion? Uh, Sasha? Sasha. So they just did this fucking angle with them, <laughs> and they did something similar in NXT, I can't remember where they put, oh, uh, Finn Balor and 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 uh, Karrion Cross against the tag champions. Great storytelling, guys. Great storytelling. Oscar acted like she got fucking killed, and Rhea Ripley was talking over her her corpse the whole entire fucking time. I wanted to, and not only that, she had just lost. <laughs> hey, uh, Dane. Shout out to the past listeners. Uh, let's go back two years when I was like, hey. Women's tag team championships are a bad idea. You don't have enough people on the roster. They should have just gave them to the fucking tag people in NXT and just <laughs> let them keep it in there instead of making another set of fuckers. Don't even get me now, started. Now we have two. <laughs> we have two sets. They did the opposite of what I said, Dane. I said they should subtract one. They added one. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I have no idea, man. It's weird that they use Shayna the way they, they do because coming – I mean, if you're going to use her that way, send her back to feud with EO on NXT, honestly. It's and then it ended off – company. It's just so stupid, and it gets worse. So then they ended off – I told you about the matches themselves. Like I said, Drew beats Ricochet pretty easily. Goes against Ali the next commercial break. Beats him pretty easily. And then gets tacked by Baron Corbin. And and Bobby Lashley, and they go off by the two of them, getting their arms raised by MVP, who clarified that Baron Corbin is not a part of the Hurt Business. Why the fuck was he on Raw? This this show was terrible. One of the worst Raws I've ever watched. There was a problem I had with almost every fucking segment. Oh! I feel like I'm going to have a goddamn heart attack like Dave LaGreca. <laughs> Bust it open. I'll try to make you happy here. I watched a um, 
a video of most protected finishers in wrestling. And uh, do you know what, like, number one was? Uh, the Laird Drop? End of Days. It's modern wrestlers. Oh, yeah, I can see that. It usually no is. Ever, no one ever kicks out of that move. Either he hits it and wins, or it doesn't happen and he loses. He never... So, shout out to Baron Corbin for protecting his finisher. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I don't know. From what you've told me, the show sounds kind of abysmal. <clears throat> abysmal? I got, I got indigestion from fucking watching it. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't understand how you have so many talented people in three hours of television and you can't figure out what the fuck to do with any of them. You you could just have AJ Styles and Xavier Woods have like a 25-minute match. And sometimes they do that on Raw. They're like, we're just going to have a long, like, you know, for instance, McIntyre versus Sheamus. We're going to give him like 15 minutes, just let him wrestle. We'll build it up between the commercials. That's awesome. Just do more of that. Like, they... I don't know, man. They overbooked the hell out of Raw. It's it's not consistent. It's I don't know, man. The show is just very hard to watch, especially for three hours on a Monday after I just got off work on a Monday. Ugh. Let's talk about something I did like from WWE, and that was last night's SmackDown. The fact, like you said, it's on a Monday on Monday Night Raw, so that's what you could deal with. SmackDown's more fun. It's two hours. It's got bigger stars, and it's on a Friday night. So last night was, I think, a fr- pretty good show to sum up everything. I know why WWE didn't do this, uh, Chris, on the actual show, but I love that on on Facebook and on Twitter they were showing, you know, this, this concept and the, this video about the fact that all three of the guys in a triple threat match within the last year and a half – you know, came back from something that they didn't think they were ever going to come back from. You know, you have Daniel Bryan, who we all know not only had neck issues, but mainly concussions and had to retire, didn't get the finish the way he wanted. Edge, uh, spinal stenosis, you know, didn't get the finish the way he wanted, came back. Roman Reigns, a lot of people forget, went through leukemia for a second time was out six months, if not longer, um, and beat it. And the fact, this is probably one of the best three ways I think they've set up, at least I think, you know, you can bitch about Daniel Bryan, but I'm not going back on that, how ridiculous and hypocritical that whole entire thing is. Um, This is one of the best set up WrestleMania three ways, or just main events for the title, I think, in a very long time, Chris. I like the dichotomy of it. I like how Roman is definitely positioned as a heel. Daniel's, you know, the baby face. And even with the fake fucking crowd noises, they're doing a mixture of certain things that Edge does gets booze, certain things gets cheered, so he's kind of in the middle. Like, I really like this, and I like everything that they've done to build up this. I do too. I'm not completely thrilled about it being a three-way match just because... I as as everyone who's listened to the show and as you know I I'm not necessarily a big fan but at least with SmackDown and the way they're building it I they make me care about it you know like the storyline and, and where it's gonna go so um I guess my question for you Dane is who's walking out of Mania with that belt it's just gotta be Roman right yep 
Yep. I don't think there's any. Uh, what I think they should do, Roman wins. Take, well, the, the weird thing is both of them have have wanted and pitched us to Vince. But take Edge and Christian, Edge and Christian, take Edge and Daniel Bryan um, off TV for a little while. Uh, to the point where if one of them wants to do this, I would suggest Daniel Bryan because I feel like he was the most recent. Let Daniel Bryan have a little run in NXT. He's been wanting to do that for a long time. Have matches with people down on that platform. Maybe rebuild himself. Come back after losing a month later. Show up on that and then come back to the original product. And whoever's the opposite, you know, whether it be Edge or Daniel Bryan, if they're gonna, you know, take them off for a little while and have them come back. Eventually, I want to get to Edge and Daniel Bryan at at SummerSlam. Um, but Roman's gonna win to me. Roman needs a win, and I would have him hold it for way longer, man. I mean, let this mean something. I'm completely blanking on his name, but uh, you remember the, the guy that does like PowerPoint presentations on or used to on the Cruiserweight show and Drew Gulak. Yeah, put them in a tag team. Why is that? Why did they ever break that up? I thought that would have been so amazing. Him and Daniel Bryan in a tag team together. No idea, man. No idea. But yeah, everything you just said, I agree with. It'd be cool to see him go down to uh, NXT specifically. They're building up Ciampa and Thatcher as a thing. And Thatcher's entire gimmick is that he's this great wrestler. It'd be fun to see him versus Daniel Bryan. You know, Daniel Bryan versus Pete Dunne. Daniel Bryan There's, versus Finn Balor. There's a lot of That's cool my shit dream match, do. man. That, the, dude, honestly, if Finn's going to lose the title, what's something that he can do to really be relevant still, if not have a feud with Daniel Bryan? They've never had a match together that's televised. They've had small things here and there on independent shows, but regarded as two of the greatest technical wrestlers, you know, of their generation, uh, both of top people, you know, as well as just come up in separate forms, but very similar. I'd love to see the two of them go at it. They'll kind of be like dynamite kid against fucking Brenoir, you know, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, I do well, have Brent a question Dolan. for you. How, how do you feel about the way people are treating this match? And, and, and we talked about it a little bit last week, but, the way they're kind of treating Daniel Bryan headed into this match. I hope that Daniel, with the end of the show, because I I even partially still had a little bit like, oh, I think they want us to be cheering for Daniel Bryan, but he kind of, in a way, skis his way into this. But when he beat the fuck out of Edge and then beat the fuck out of Roman Reigns and all the intensity and just left them both laying, that was pretty awesome. That was a pretty good stamp for Daniel Bryan to be like, screw you guys. You know, I'm in this. I just beat Jay, and then he basically jumped Edge. So he was kind of, you know, a little bit heelish in that department, too, because he just took Edge off guard, kicked him in the face, took him, slammed his head a couple times into the pole, and then went up, ran up on Roman. Roman tried to to throw his chair at him, uh, pivoted, and then got the fucking big, big uh, boot in the face and put him in the lock and made him pass out. Uh, Daniel Bryan is a badass. Does not matter his size. He's just someone that is that fucking that baby face. And they brought up a good point. Not only did he beat Triple H, but he also won in that same night a three way against Randy Orton and Batista. He's not someone to fuck with is, is basically what I think. Yeah, um, I agree with you 100 percent. I thought this is a good way to at least lead towards Mania. We have one more show right before Mania. One more Smackdown. 
And they're kind of treating that SmackDown like it's almost Mania esque, like it's it's because they're putting the uh, the Under the Giant Battle Royal next week as well on SmackDown. So I, I'm curious to see where they go with it, man. I think it'd be really cool. I was more talking about the fact that you know even three months ago when we start, first started talking about this uh, around Rumble, and I was like Daniel Bryan's going to be in the main event of the show, <laughs> and now he's in the main event of the show, so it, it did happen. Um, Fans are not they they don't get really happy about these three way matches. We seen we saw it with Charlotte, and we've seen it with Daniel Bryan now this year specifically. People just I don't know if it's just they don't want three way matches or it's like it's breaking it's breaking what the ideal match is. And to me, like adding Daniel Bryan into this match with Roman and Edge, who both are going to be a little bit limited and and what they're able to do, like adding Daniel Bryan is a safety net it kind of guarantees that you're going to have a good match. Um, like why yeah. you would add Charlotte to Ronda Rousey and Becky. Yeah. Like it guarantees that there's going to be someone there in case shit goes awry that can reset the match and it'll be fine. Um, it, it's just weird to me because like, it, it, especially if you go back in history and you think about how many years people were like, Daniel Bryan should be main eventing WrestleMania. And now like he's main eventing WrestleMania and they're like, why the fuck is Daniel Bryan in this match? I oh my god! All right, Lusa. All I have to say is, WWE fans, I told you, the diehards, the WWE only fans that get so, and not only fans as in they, you know what I'm saying, uh, only fans of WWE, if you will, they would eat their own fucking young. I'm sorry, that's what I've really come to believe. Now AEW fans would sell their young to help pay for AEW, even though it's held down by a billionaire. So there's <laughs> that. But WWE fans are never fucking happy. Daniel Bryan, several years ago, guys, was the guys that you were mad that Batista and Sheamus got in the way of in, in separate time periods and wanted pushed to the moon, and they finally fucking did it. And then you hated Roman. Now... Royal Rumble happens. Everyone's number one pick. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I think a lot of us knew that Edge might be a person. Everyone was saying Daniel Bryan was going to win to go against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. He doesn't. Edge wins at being second, which was fucking awesome. So we think Daniel's out of it. Then he wins Elimination Chamber, and Roman as a heel fucks him over and beats him really quick. And Daniel almost won it. He got him in the fucking lock. But since he was tired from the match, he lost. And then he got fucked over partially by Edge because Edge was mad that he got kicked in the face by Daniel Bryan and got hit in the, hit in the back along with Roman, but still would have steel chair a couple times, which caused him to lose the match. And now Edge, which we're, this will kind of go into the beginning of the show, I get why he's in his mind in the, for his character, he's mad. He doesn't think that Daniel deserves it. But Daniel really got fucked over with a lot of this type of shit. So I have no problem with this. The fans themselves are ridiculous. You wanted Daniel to win, or majority, along with me, wanted him to win Rumble to go against Roman at Mania. And now you're mad for the detriment of Roman Reigns that Daniel Bryan's going to be put in the main event in a championship match against Roman Reigns and Edge. Because boo-hoo, you don't think he deserves it. Get the fuck over yourself. Go back in a goddamn time machine. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, well, I mean, here's the other thing. Would you rather just see Roman versus Edge, or would you rather see 
Roman, Daniel Bryan, and Edge. Like the latter ring work, which would you rather see? Because I, I, me, it's the latter. If Daniel Bryan's going to be in there, it's going to be a better match. <laughs> it just Look, is. Some three ways don't work out as well as others. I don't think the Charlotte Becky Ronda because the ending really worked out as much as it was hyped, and it was still a fun match. Uh, Triple H, Randy Orton, and John Cena was very meandering and kind of boring. But then you have those ones where it's three different entities all together. Like your Sean Benoit and uh, and Triple H, or you know your Randy Rey Mysterio Kurt Angle, where it's a fucking amazing match, and you have three guys that are very different that just add towards the three way, and I think this is going to be one of those style matches. I really do. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, and I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, if you look at Randy versus Edge. Him versus uh, him, you know, Edge versus Roman Reigns would be the same kind of match to some extent. They wrestle very similar styles. It's going to be slow and methodical. It's not going to be what you would expect it to be. But at least now they can put the beat down on Daniel Bryan. He can sell and then have this huge fiery comeback. And I don't know me. To me, it's a better match. I, I like the build towards it. Kind of thought it was happening the entire time. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Roman's just going to retain. But, man, it would be cool to see Daniel Bryan raise that title above his head at Mania again. For old Honestly, state. it would be awesome if Edge gets the title again. I mean, I, I don't mind it. I just want Roman to win it. The way I position the ending, um, I would have Daniel Bryan has done whatever. And, you know, he thinks he's got the momentum. He turns around, gets speared by Edge who is about to win it, but he gets speared by Roman Reigns, rolls to the outside, Roman sees Daniel's carcass, and pins him, steals Edge pin uh, to put the nail on the fucking coffin, basically, with a big smile on his face. Haven't Edge and Brian both said they don't want the title? <laughs> like, openly don't want it? I think it's funny, because they're in the title match, but both of them don't want the title, and they wanted to go to NXT to, you know, help out with some of the young cats. Like, Ed still wants to wrestle, but he doesn't want to be the guy. <laughs> so but, do you want Edge to flip heel from this, Chris, completely? I I mean, if he wins the match and flips heel, that'd be great. And I want him to bring back Big Goldie and put the Rated R logo on it again, because I need that for in the merch store so I can buy it. Be sick. Yeah. Well, let's go into this, because it starts off with Edge. And, I mean, Edge just kind of comes out and says that he's uh, he's pissed off. You know, he's like I said, he's not happy with with uh, Daniel Bryan and him getting himself into the championship match. He's not happy with Adam uh, Pierce uh, and doesn't think he's doing the right thing. Um, uh, he admits that he snapped after what happened at Fastlane and last Friday. Um he finally woke up. He goes on about being the man Reigns and Bryans aspires to be, a WWE Hall of Fame legend, the ultimate opportunist, and is finally here once again, the rated R superstar. Uh, he stares ahead, uh, you know, and there's some cheers. Like I said, they were trying to balance this because they control the fucking audience, obviously. That edge is, is in the middle. People are booing at him, and then he's also getting cheered with the fake audio, but I get what they're doing. Uh, says last week when you held the cold steel chair and felt it crash on their bodies, it felt so good. 
He had them both in the concerto, and it was close. Obviously, Roman got saved by Jay, and then Daniel Bryan. I forgot who saved him. But um, he won't hesitate for that to happen again. He drops the mic and exits the ring. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, the big thing is Daniel Bryan's going to be going against Jay Uso. He decided to do, like, you know, a fucking no DQ match with him, a street fight. So I don't know why that's that's one thing I'll just say flawed in the logic. I don't know why Daniel Bryan. I know Daniel Bryan's that guy. It's like, I'll do anything. I'll fight. And he kind of proved that at the end of the night. But still, at the same time, it wasn't a smart thing for the baby face to do. But what do you think about Edge and this borderline heel promo that he cut at the beginning of it? I like the promo. And I also like the um, the Daniel Bryan as far as the build up with the no DQ. I liked it because it's a three way match. So it's going to be no DQ at WrestleMania. So we're kind of giving you a teaser of what it might be like. Um, yeah, no, man, I thought it was a great promo. Good opening to the to the show for sure. Yep. All right. So we come back to commercial and he's backstage with Kayla Braxton. And she brings up people wondering if Uso is just there to take Brian out. And Edge doesn't feel bad for Brian, possibly getting beaten by Uso. And if Brian can't make it to WrestleMania, not even a small part of Edge will feel bad for him. And he continued that during that match where he was commentating. He mentioned several times, and I don't want to forget that I said this, that, like, you know, at certain points in the match, like, well, if he if he gets his leg broken in this, that's up to him. You know, he's not going to he's not going to basically feel bad or help him or anything like that. So Edge really positioning the fact that after this is all said and done, I feel like there's going to be a rivalry at some point between those two characters because of this feud. Do you see that? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that's how Roman is going to end up winning the match at Mania and retaining the title is that they will be their own detriment, him and Daniel Bryan. Um, and that'll be cool going forward. But uh, I guess, what are they going to do? Like a, a neck versus concussion match? <laughs> Retirement match? Well, it's it, it's basically a CTE versus cancer versus spinal stenosis <laughs> match right now. Yeah. So No, I just mean the way Edge was talking. It's like he's setting up like there's going to be one of those kind of matches, like a retirement match or like go home match specifically what we were saying where he's talking about like well he breaks his leg here i mean that happens in wrestling the, the way they kept just putting that over it does seem like that might play into whatever the future of that rivalry is i mean i think i still think it's way too soon to take the belt off roman especially because he's kind of the best thing on the show um but you know building a separate feud with edge and, and daniel bryan i think that's going to be really cool and and so far they've done a good job in my opinion i i do feel like that's where they're going i think you're spot on with that day yeah, I got to see Roman keep that belt, man. I want him to have it for at least over a year. Honestly, I just love this character. Like I said, you know, watching a lot of television, which I tend to do, uh, the anger and the aggression that he gets definitely reminds me of Tony Soprano. I've said that a lot, but the calm, cool, collective version of him reminds me of Stringer Bell from The Wire. Uh, just like how you can roll off anything and shit like that. But such a great character, such a great pairing with Paul Heyman. I feel like Jay's going to get involved, and I feel like Jimmy's going to get involved too. So we'll have to wait and see uh, at WrestleMania. But Roman is just on a different level than a lot of people in pro wrestling as at this time. Uh, he is a superstar, I would say. So I liked this tag match that came up next. was not was a good tag match, but also I think this is the tag match of Mania. It's going to be Alpha Academy. Well, 
for the match, it was Alpha Academy, Robert uh, Roode, uh, and Dolph Ziggler versus the Street Profits, Rey Mysterio, and Dominic Mysterio. And essentially, at the end of it, um, uh, Chad Gable got his rolling suplex, and then Otis got the big splash off the second rope uh, to pin, I believe, Angelo Dawkins. Um, but it's going to be these four tag teams, and um, maybe a ladder match will be announced next week, or we'll just be a straight four-way tornado tag. And I'm predicting right now, because Rey Mysterio said this is one of the last things that's on his bucket list in wrestling, I think Rey and Dominic are going to get the tag titles because Rey really wants to have the tag titles with his son. So uh, maybe the Street Profits do. But I also really want to say that I do like this pairing of Rudin and, and Ziggler. I think they've been good as a tag team. I mean, they're both very efficient wrestlers. And they, they've said that they've modeled, well, similar to FTR in certain ways, They've modeled a lot of their stuff off of watching, and I'm glad to know that both of them are so into it that they're studying, but they've been watching a lot of Heart Foundation matches and a lot of Midnight Express matches and trying to pull from that. And I wish in general the tag team division was treated more, you know, with more care, but I like what they're doing. Alpha Academy is okay, but if this is the, the tag match for the belts, I like these four teams. This should be a good match regardless. What do you think, Chris? I agree with you. I think it, I think it's going to be it should be a very fun match. Uh, Alpha Academy. I hate the name, man. I just can't get past the name. Every time they say it, I'm just like, oh god. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised the Street Profits haven't gotten the titles back already. I guess that's the biggest takeaway. So they're my pick. I know that Ray and and his son is there, and and they're going to be in this match. But uh, they're kind of heels right now. <laughs> Aren't they? They're being a little mischievous, I would say. Yeah, we haven't we haven't gotten a transition of them being baby faces, so I don't necessarily know that it's this huge fan moment just because the father and son win tag teams. I mean, that's 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 cool if they win the titles, but for business wise, I mean, that thing should probably go back on the street profits. I can see that. Well, uh, Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville are talking. Paul Heyman comes up, and he wants a hold harmless agreement that. Strips Jay Uso of any liability for tonight's street fight with Daniel Bryan because, as he puts it, he realizes that they're putting Daniel at risk for WrestleMania. So he wants his hands clean and he wants Jay and Roman's hands clean off of it. And Pierce is not too happy about it, but Deville says, "Sure, I think that you're, I think that you're right." And Heyman walks off, and that's the case. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> this this next part I did not like. But what did you have anything to say? No, just uh, that Paul Heyman should be at the the uh, what is the performance center every day, just teaching promo class. He's so fucking good. I gotta say, and I I didn't get a chance to watch it, but his SmackDown after show is a must watch because of what he does with the talent on there, and really puts some even like Kevin Owens because they it looks like they're just going off script the whole entire time. Puts them to their limits, man, with promos. He's incredible. Yeah, he's great. Y'all check out Rollerball. Good movie. It's got, <laughs> it's got your boy LL Cool J in it. And uh, Josh, uh, Josh Jamal? No, 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 no. It's a guy from American Pie. Fuck, I can't remember. I just remember seeing that as a kid, and I was like, is that's Paul Heyman? Oh, Paul Heyman's in this movie? This movie's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just remember seeing Rebecca Romaine Stamos's Stamoses, so that was good for me. Yep. 
right. Uh, Seth Rollins comes out in this ridiculous suit. You know, people are complimenting this on Twitter, and I'm like, he has pink and purple camo on, guys. Like, what the fuck is that outfit? But whatever. He comes in. Graves is going to interview him and Cesaro. And I've, I got to feel like Cesaro grabbed the script for this and just rolled his eyes. Because Seth sounded great on his end whenever he's answering or getting pissed off by the, the questions. And Cesaro is making fucking stupid pun swing jokes. Like, swing is in the air every time I look around. To get under Rollins' skin about the fact that he was swung 26 times or whatever. It's fucking stupid. What really came down to it was that whatever Cesaro was able to salvage. And finally, you know, Rollins told Graves to take a hike. And they got face-to-face. And, you know, uh, Cesaro said swing. Well, you know, in reference to swinging, I dare you to swing right here. Point to his chin. And Seth backed down and got the fuck out of there, but was extremely mad. Um, that ending saved it. Everything else was fucking garbage with making Cesaro make swing statements. It was stupid. Um, <laughs> Dean, you're a writer and I'm a writer. I write songs. We, we, you know, we've written articles, we've done, etc. Whoever wrote the swing thing, do you think that they were like, man, this is good shit. <laughs> because like, you know, if you write something bad, like if I wrote that, I would know it was shit. Like I wouldn't put that out to the world. Well, man, as as there was an ex writer that got fired last year from the pandemic, and he was letting fans know, yeah, we hear you, we listen to you. Um, and the whole entire misconception that some of us aren't huge wrestling fans. I've been a wrestling fan all my life. I did also TV writing. That's why I got hired because my credentials. But the buck stops with Vince, and that is always a thing. It's like. We can do all these different ideas and write out all these concepts. He has a last say-so, and he changes stuff right at the last minute on a whim. And for some reason, I feel like the swing fucking joking is something stupid that would make Vince pop and laugh to himself. What's really funny is I listened to an interview with Sabu, and he says Vince has too many people talking to him, and that's why he's not able to book the show as well as he used to. He's like, even when I was there, they would convince Vince convince vince to do stupid shit like wearing a do-rag he's like it's not he he basically said uh what people say like it it stops at vince as far as the writing goes he's like it's not that way he's one person so that's kind of funny um it's easy if you're a writer and you put out something terrible to blame someone else wasn't freddie prince jr a writer for a while like how much yeah uh, how much credit are we going to give freddie prince (laughs) or not credit i guess I, I well, man, that that promo was. Freddie so is a huge Vince fan, and hey, there's been writers in the past that had been able to have a good relationship with Vince, and everyone were, was happy with the writing that they have. But that's like a Brian Gwartz, who wasn't a television writer, I don't think beforehand, and is now The Rock's agent. But you know, when he was in WWE, he wrote for Jericho, he wrote for The Rock. He was the only one that they would allow to write for them, basically. And I don't think that wrestlers get that type of concept anymore. I think it's even more structured for a television format than it was in the early 2000s. I, I just don't understand why they overdo it with a guy that never really cuts promos like Cesaro, and then you overwrite the promo. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like Cesaro has been cutting. If, if he was cutting promos from the beginning of his career in WWE until now, and they overwrote it, you would probably just look past it. But because they don't give him mic time very often, 
but then you give him a very scripted promo, it just looks like shit. And I know the guy's a good promo because I've watched him in other promotions. Like you could just be like, he could have just came out and said, "Hey, I want to whip your ass." For these reasons, etc. He could have just done the typical WCW Saturday Night promo or whatever. Yeah, I don't get it. And then this is also another segment I wasn't a big fan of. Next, Natalia versus Shayna uh, with Nia Jax on commentary, and uh, Baszler got rolled up like that, like two minutes into the match by Natalia, and then afterwards. You know, Nia jumps in the ring. Everything starts going crazy. Riot Squad comes out. They start fucking shit up. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke come out. They start fucking shit up. Lana and Naomi are the next ones. And, you know, everyone takes each other out. The last people standing in the ring are Natalia and Tamita. And uh, Billy Kay approaches Carmella, who's been watching on a back screen with one of her 810s. And uh, first, Carmella immediately dismisses her, then calls her back. And, uh... Might want a team with Billy Kay. All right, if you're trying to get every female on the fucking product into something, we're going to have some stupid, maybe the first night a tag, women's battle royal, the winner goes against Italian. I don't I don't know how you put this together. I just, you could have kept Carmella with someone else, I would think. I mean, there's got to be someone else available. I just never have understood, even if they weren't the greatest in the ring, why you split up Billy Kay and Peyton Royce as the Iconics. They were literally the only female tag team that you had on the roster before you fucking started the goddamn titles. Anyways, I don't know why the fuck Shane is getting beat twice, uh, back-to-back, Raw and SmackDown, and I just don't care about the women's tag division once again for WrestleMania. It has nothing to do with the women. It has nothing to do with them. <sighs> Chris? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's just a bad build. It's hard to care about. And and that's the problem. It's not it's not the actual performers that are wrestling in these tag matches. It's just WWE's lack of dedication to a tag their normal tag division. Um, it's to me this was bad. I mean, it's just a clusterfuck of like how do we get people on WrestleMania? And back in the day, you didn't have this problem because if you weren't on WrestleMania, guess what? You just weren't on WrestleMania. Not everyone has to be on WrestleMania. If you don't have anything for interesting for them to do, I mean. I know this is kind of like an asshole thing to say, but like, look, like, I don't know that I need to see the Iconics on WrestleMania. It's not going to hurt my feelings if they're not there. You know what I mean? Like, when did, like, I guess it was like four or five years ago where it's like, we have to get everyone on WrestleMania regardless of what we shove them into. And it's why. Like, it's not a participation trophy. It's. You're doing a wrestling show. I don't, I, you know, some of these people don't necessarily have to be on the show. Yep. I agree. So the next segment was pretty funny and a new dynamic that I hope goes a certain way. Uh, Sami Zayn, before commercial break, uh, was waiting for a red carpet um, for Logan Paul and was so happy with him, you know, coming in there. And then afterwards, they had a nice little segment in the ring. We're in the premiere of uh, Sammy's new documentary about how he's basically getting screwed over and there's a conspiracy out against him. And, you know, Logan, I, I will say, some celebrities can handle it, some can't. The riffing back and forth, I thought he was doing a good job, especially when, when Owens gave him the stunner and he backed up and he was like, whoa, what the, you know, just 
selling it pretty good. Um, I know that Logan Paul, I don't like him as a person because of stuff that he's done in the past uh, that I thought were fucked up. But personality, you know, he's definitely got one of those. And he, you know, basically they're setting him up for him to be along with Sammy at WrestleMania. They do the trailer. Um, it's rated T for truth. <laughs> the, the trailer's great. It's fucking hilarious. You know, are, this are they talking about the I-85, 985 Intercontinental European Champion? Truth? What you, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> there's one part, Chris, that I love that Sammy, that they say, Sammy, are you a flat earther? And he's like, flat earther? That has nothing to do with this. Or does it? And look concerned about it. Um, it's just funny because he was asking Logan what he thought, and he's like, well, look, man, you put a lot of work into it, you know, and, and Sammy's about to kind of turn on him because he's pissed off about his reaction, and then he's turned around into a stone-cold stunner by Mr. Kevin Owens, who just walks right past Logan Paul, and Logan's selling, like, what the fuck just happened, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope at the end of it, and I, I could see Logan Paul being down for this, because, like I said, he's a wrestling fan. One of the first YouTube things that he was known for we're doing those fucking wrestling moves uh, off the, like, high dive to, like, uh, girls and guys at his pool area. Fucking rich bastard. Um, so I want him, like, he might be cheering for Kevin Owens towards the end of the match. I want KO to fucking MGK him. I want him to put him through a table right afterwards. Act like they're buddies and then just fucking pick him up and powerbomb his ass through the announce table or something. I think that would be fucking awesome. And, uh, yeah, that's what I thought about all this. This is working for me. It's really quick to put these guys together, but I, Sammy and Kevin could have one of the best shows of the whole entire week. They really could. Well, I mean, yeah, I, if they give them time, that's the that's the big. If they don't throw them on a pre-show for six minutes or whatever, I guess we'll see. They could easily I, have the best show. Do you think? Um, do you think Logan's involvement, since he's a popular YouTube personality and a lot of people know him, will guarantee that they'll probably get more time than less i would hope so um um, and i want to preface this with i don't know anything about the paul brothers they're brothers right isn't there like a his brother is the one who just beat that dude in the uh boxing match i forgot what his name is but yes there are brothers okay so i know nothing about these guys i don't have any kind of hard hatred um i think wwe should probably look at their audience which are mostly my age and older and realize that not everyone gives a shit about YouTubers. That's a good point. <laughs> I get you're trying to draw on a, a younger audience, but even, like, is Logan Paul still in touch with the younger audience? Like, wouldn't you go to, like, some popular TikToker nowadays? Like, we're past the YouTube days at this point, right? Maybe Logan and Bad Bunny are going to fight after the match. I get Bad Bunny because that dude is mad. Like, he, that guy is, like, a world superstar i don't know that logan paul's youtube videos hold up you know five years or six years later now that he's a boxer or whatever the hell he's doing with his life if the fact that i think he's the one who's calling out mayweather no no that's his brother his brother's a boxer but the well, most rash ufc fighter and one of them is a boxer right something like that something like that i know that they're both training for separate things like that the most egregious thing that he did and i'll just let you know this is they went to Suicide Forest over in, I believe it's Japan. Um, it's, oh, it's yeah, a map. yeah. I, I heard about this, yeah. 
That's, that's and made cool. comments about a guy who hung himself and were like joking and shit. Well, they camera. put it on video too. That was the crazy yeah. part. It, it was like that was on like Oprah and stuff. So I saw that, but I, I had no reference. I mean, that could have just been a. I did something stupid. I shouldn't have done this, and I'm kind of a terrible person for doing that. He I just no comes off like a rich douche, basically. Yeah, I have no other reference for their other stuff, though. I mean, their other, you know, YouTube shit could be good. I have no idea. Like I said, I, I think I was uh, too old to care about that <laughs> at some point. Uh, he's probably what Shane was at his age before he started doing stuff at WWE, basically. Some rich <laughs> chicken money I doing stuff. I've heard good things about Shane McMahon. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, well, we'll see. But like I said, I'd love to see Kevin Owens, because I like MGK. I like some of his rap. But I'd love to see uh, Kevin Owens put him through a fucking table. I think that would be really cool. And Kevin, a very Kevin Owens thing to do, Chris. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah, you're my buddy. Fuck you and YouTube. Gah! Right through a goddamn <laughs> table. They'll, well, they'll play that. They'll play that on morning shows and shit. Like, look what happened to Logan Paul. He'll be on Extra or so. Is, is Extra even on anymore? TMZ. <laughs> I, for some reason, I thought you said MGK, and I was like, Kevin Owens already did put him through a table. No, that's what I said, like MGK him. Like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, put him through a table. That would be amazing. I hope he does. I hope they build the skateboard ramps back up so we get more cool um, 900s from Kevin Owens. <laughs> There's no reason a man should be able to do that either. Anyways, uh, Edge walks in on Adam Pearce, sorry, Deville in the back. He said that he wasn't happy about the change of the Universal. Belt, but he's really happy and thinks it's a really good idea that Daniel Bryan's taking on Jay Uso. Then we get uh, Carmella and Bianca Belair. Um, actually, pretty good match. One thing that I really like that Carmella did is when she tied Bianca's hair to one of the ropes and just started mud hole stomping her face in. I thought that was great. Um, but obviously, this wasn't really about that. Uh, Bianca beat uh, Carmella after a pretty good lengthy match, and Sasha Banks looked like she was about to do something. And uh, Bianca, you know, didn't get basically avoided the swing that she threw at her. And then Sasha evaded, really pointing her out even more so as the heel in this. And Bianca was like, you know, just talking shit. So just building up to that, um, I think they've done a terrible job with this build. Why couldn't you just read right the beginning, Sasha's a heel, Bianca's a baby face, and just have them have promos. Sasha fucking with her while, while Bianca's building herself up with matches. No tag division bullshit, tag teaming together. Sasha on the fence, babyface heel-wise, just full-fledged into it. Instead, you really fucked it up, in my opinion. Um, but the match still should deliver. What do you think, Chris? Should be a great match. It is weird the way they built it. I agree with you 100% on that. Um, Bianca Belair was like the second-to-last person in the Royal Rumble, right? Yep. That's all you had to do for the build. <laughs> you didn't need all this extracurricular shit that no one liked. Uh, here's something no one likes. So, like I told you, so next week they're going to be having um, a Fatal 4-Way for the SmackDown tag titles. Oh, wait, that's on SmackDown? Wow. I did not know that. So they're doing a Fatal 4-Way for the tag team titles and the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. King Corbin cut a promo and said he basically is going to win it and that he helped out Lashley because he was paid for the highest bid. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. He's going to get the title sometime in the future. Baron Corbin promo style. Um, but wow, I did not know that. Does that mean there's nothing? No, to me, there's more investment 
in the tag division on SmackDown than there is on fucking Raw because they've barely built up anything with AJ and almost going against a New Day. But I know it's a New Day and AJ, but still. And then, Baron, who gives a fuck if you win the goddamn Battle Royal? I feel bad for people like Shinsuke Nakamura that they have to be a part of it. And Jey Uso, who's done a great job this fucking year. Wouldn't you be so excited about being on the SmackDown WrestleMania? Hasn't awesome? Baron Corbin already won the fucking Andre Memorial? He's going to win it again because he's Baron Corbin. Well, I mean, if you're going to do the gimmick and have him make this such a big deal, shouldn't he come out with the trophy that he won previously and talk about how he's like the reigning undefeated? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to be a heel, you might as well carry that giant trophy around with your crown on your head. That'd be hilarious. Um, and wearing eight brass rings on all of your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's really hard to care about Baron Corbin. It's not even his fault at this point. Oop. I wish someone else would do his finisher, though. They can share it's that one, right? So sick. Someone from AEW should steal that. Powerhouse Hoss. Oh, steal it. Start doing, start doing the end of days. <laughs> there you go. Fucking, uh, yeah, Powerhouse Hobbs. That'd be perfect for him. Or like QT Marshall, since now you're a fucking heel, there's no really point for you to be bestowed the diamond cutter. End of days would be better, I think, for him. That would be a good move for him to use. People hate Corbin, so they'll hate him even more for using it. <laughs> or they'll be like, that move's sick. That's this one redeeming quality. <laughs> So Apollo Crews cut a uh, nice promo in his fake Nigerian accent uh, and saying that he's going to beat Big E at WrestleMania. Paul Heyman stopped Edge and apparently is trying to stir the pot and play mind games ahead of WrestleMania, re referencing the fact that him and Roman and Edge are on the same level, that, that Daniel Bryan does not deserve to be a part of this. And that would go uh, for our main event, uh, awesome street fight with Jey Uso and Daniel Bryan. Dude, Jey Uso's so good. I say that every time I see him in a match. I can't wait to see the Usos as a tag team, and they should get the belts back immediately. Unless Jimmy's not going to be on Roman's side, and then I want to see Jay and Jimmy have a long fucking feud. Because, I mean, I already thought Jimmy was awesome, and now Jay's rises stock even ahead of Jimmy's with what he's done the last year. But this was this was a good match, man. And we already talked about the ending after Daniel Bryan finally won by getting uh, Jimmy to tap out. Um, he went after Edge, just jumped out of the fucking ring, ran as fast as he could before Edge could even get up and kicked him in the fucking face. Then dragged his ass to one of the, the sides of the ring, bashed his head three times into the pole, left him there dizzy. And then Roman Reigns is like telling him, like, bring it, basically. He goes to run up on him, avoids the fucking chair swung at his ass, and then pivots, comes around, kicks Roman in the face, puts him in the fucking, the, uh, his lock, and, and, and made him pass out. We went off the air with Daniel Bryan doing the yes thing in the corner with the audience, and you could tell on the computer screams, some people were not doing it back, Chris. Not happy with Daniel Bryan. God. Thought this was a great match, and I thought this really put an edge on Daniel Bryan. Being positioned in this match. I, I want to go back to the Usos for just a moment. How great is that feud going to be, brother versus brother, when it eventually happens? It's going to be amazing. Awesome. It's going to be awesome. so damn good. I loved, man. I I loved 
this entire segment of the show. There's just so much good stuff to talk about. I don't want to spend too much time on it because we have a lot of other stuff to cover, but the Jimmy and, and Jay feud, you pointed out there, that's, that, that is what I'm most excited about if it ever comes down. And uh, the, like we talked about the Dana Bryan stuff earlier. I think it's, I think it's cool, man. I enjoy it. Yeah, that, you know what? I will say this, and I don't know if you agree or not. Whatever happens this Friday or this next Friday for the tag belt, um, if the Street Profits don't win, especially if Ray and Dominic win, I could see them winning to have a small run. That would make me think the Usos are actually getting back together. So I'll be thinking this ahead of time in my head when I watch this match that Jimmy will come out, fuck shit up, go with Jay. Because Jay and Jimmy will probably take those titles off of them and then go against the Street Profits until SummerSlam. But if Jimmy doesn't or if he doesn't show up, I feel like it's going to be Jimmy against Jay where Jimmy is not happy and pleased with what his brother and Roman have done. So next week is kind of a deciding factor in my mind booking-wise of what possibly could happen. If Street Profits lose and Ray and Dominic win, them being the babyfaces, I think Jimmy and Jay are coming back to take the titles, and then them and the Street Profits will be the big feud in the tag team division. Yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense, dude. And and that would be great, a great, great watch. I want to see it. I want to see Profits and the Usos. Uso. It just would also look cool. It always does. Huh. Weird how that didn't work for the Hurt Business. <laughs> but when all of your guys have belts, it's really crazy. There's too many belts on this product, but that's a that's a different conversation I've already kind of yelled about. Just yell at some clouds outside. The old man that yells at clouds. Yeah, I feel like I'm slowly turning into Jim Cornette, but not as much of an asshole. God damn. <laughs> Chris yells at clouds. <laughs> That's going to be the name of this podcast. I'm here for it. All right. Let's get into AEW. 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 Start off the match. The return of Christian Cage going against Frankie Kazarian. Seven years since Christian's had a singles match in wrestling, and he picked an old buddy of his. I think these guys, now based on SmackDown being over and me watching pretty much all the products except for MLW at this point this week, this is probably my match of the week, Chris. I thought both guys, Chris Jericho said on his podcast because that was pre-recorded, and then uh, after the match, before it aired, they did a Chris Jericho podcast, him and Christian. I definitely listened to it, just released yesterday uh, for anyone who wants to hear it. Christian goes into a lot about his career, him exiting WWE. Uh, the fact that he wasn't on a contract when he was making appearances, it was an appearance-by-appearance appearance basis, um, even the Royal Rumble. But, uh, you know, just he chose Frankie Kazarian because he knew that he would take him to his limits. And uh, the one thing I, I will pick out of this is that, that you know, uh, Chris said that you bring that old element of wanting to do more old-school-style matches and stuff like that. And I think that's needed. And Christian wanting to go against a lot of the guys on the roster and try to elevate them as much as he can. 
that's his biggest goal right now. He wants the last chapter of his career to be given back, basically, which is what everyone wants to do. You know, that's what Jericho wants to do. That's what Edge wants to do. And uh, I thought that him and Frankie had a great match. I liked the the concept that Bully Ray brought up, though, on Busted Open that, you know what? Maybe to help out Frankie a little bit, it kind of would have been good for Christian to lose his first match. Now, hear me out. Because if he does that, you know, Kenny can go right up to him and just laugh at him and be like, oh, yeah, you're going to get a championship match against me anytime soon. And it puts Christian against the world, which has happened, him and Randy Orton's uh, whole feud, and pushes him to start fucking trying to get back in gear. Because think about it. In, in, in concept story and in real life, it's been seven years since he had a fucking match. So you get a little bit of rub and momentum back into Frank Kazarian, and then Christian really has something to prove even more so, and it puts him down and humbles him a bit. So I, I like that. I don't know if I exactly would have wanted that to play out, but I could see that being a decent reasoning. But this was a fucking fantastic match. Um, I mean, they did – the funny thing is, you know, Chris kind of saying this is more old-school wrestling. This would be like a Cruiserweight match on Nitro back in the day. You know, the the spinning DDT, um, a lot of the moves that they were just applying and doing towards each other – it was just a fast pace, start off with just a lock, you know, and I'm really looking forward to Christian working with a lot of people and I always praise Frankie Kazarian as one of the best workers in that company, bar none. So, like I said, I personally, if you can't tell by me gushing about it, really enjoy this match, Chris. Yeah, like two minutes into the match, you sent me a message saying, this is a great match. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was still working. Um. This match was amazing. Frankie Kazarian, probably still the most underrated worker in the business. And a good first dance partner for Christian. I liked everything about this match. It sucks that Kazarian had to take a loss here. And I feel like they should be building this uh, SCU storyline way harder than they are. But outside of that, I liked everything about this. I thought it was a great int- like a great introduction to Christian in this wrestling company. And, and Kazarian has done nothing but have good matches in AEW. So there is nothing negative I could say about this. All thumbs up on this end. Yeah, me fucking too. Um, so next we had Darby Allen with a message for Matt Hardy. Nice little black and white vignette, and uh, Darby Allen has a paper mask of Matt's face on him. Talks about big money Matt Hardy and how money changes everything. Said Hardy is going to have to earn Allen's respect because his money doesn't mean shit to him. Uh, a person behind Hardy, uh, mask rides away and bursts into flames as the camera focuses in, and the TNT Championship belt is wrapped, wrapped up. Um, with their segment. Uh, yeah, I like this. I love Darby Allen's like little weird videos that he directs himself. He's really good at it. This will be the first week, Chris. Uh, I don't remember him even in this promo, but since Sting started, this will be the first week of him not on Dynamite, like actually in person. Kind of crazy, huh? Probably should do that more often. <laughs> yeah, um... I don't, I don't, I don't remember this that well, Dane. So I don't want to speak on it too hard. I must have glazed over on this, and and uh, I had to rewatch the show a little later. So maybe, maybe I missed some of this. 
Yeah, he was just talking shit about Matt Hardy and how he's going to fuck him up, basically. But anyways, we'll move on. Jay Cargill, with a message for Red Velvet, just said that she's the bitch and she's going to fuck her up, basically. And then we go into a match. What is going on Like my fucking cell phone? Um, with QT Marshall against Cody. It's a pretty good match. It's supposed to be uh, an expedition. So the whole concept is that, you know, if they were training for an actual wrestling match, like collegiate wrestling, you get them in the hole that could finish it and you stop. And that's what they did. Uh, they had a good back and forth. You could tell that QT Marshall was getting upset. He almost got put in the figure four. Almost got put into uh, Cody's... Um, God damn it, what the hell is this finisher move called? Um, I was going to say the Cody cutter, but that's definitely not it. Uh, anyways, he puts him in it. And, uh, you know, QT rolls to the... Uh, outside where the whole entire nightmare family is his whole entire training camp camp along with cody and uh he's pissed he's frustrated they try to give him some praise he shoves him off and goes in this the uh the ring and just punches fucking arn anderson in the face and everyone's like what the fuck so he gets out of the ring and he looks like he's can't believe what he did uh you know and then the attack starts we go from qt marshall looking like He's upset that he did that, and he, he it was like a, just a reaction to members of the Nightmare family getting involved uh, in the match itself. And, uh, you know, we had – we've seen some of these guys. We've seen Nick uh, Camarado. He was beat pretty easily, I think, by Moxley not too long ago. But the guy looks like – he kind of looks like – I hate to say this, but like Joey Ryan and Bruiser Brody had a baby. Um, is that a good description of him, Chris? <laughs> That's a damn good description of it, honestly. Dane, did you care more about this when you thought it was just going to be a mid-card feud with QT and Dustin? Yes. Okay. Yeah, me and you're on the same page. I, I get what they're trying to do, and everybody needs a spot, and at least they're building something for the the these younger guys to do. But uh, why the fuck is Cody... To me, he's re- you're wrestling below your level. And uh, also, like, what kind of loyalty does he have to QT Marshall where he, he fought his own brother? <laughs> he made him bleed. Like, what is this loyalty where you won't wrestle QT Marshall? Like, I don't know. I, there's, I, I liked it, and I like their building factions, I guess, and we'll get more than that. But I would have just been completely fine. We're just doing this with Dustin and making it more of a mid-card thing and not necessarily involving Cody. I don't uh, – Cody should have more important things on his mind, like the fact that Don Callis and the Impact is invading his fucking show each week. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't need another faction, too, just to be honest with you. Um, I think Nick Camarado has a lot of upside by himself just because he, you know – Jokes aside, he's a physical-looking dude. Um, and I forgot the name of the boxer that got involved as well that they've been training. But all of them, I mean, they, they look like cool individual guys, but you got two fucking YouTube shows. You really need to make another faction with QT Marshall and not just build these guys by themselves as stars? I'm sorry, I don't get it. It's going to go into that same thing with the Moxley match at the end of it, 
why the fuck is Ryan Nemeth, J.D. Drake, and, oh, man, I can't remember what his actual name is, but the guy that he actually won against, um, Cesar Bernoni, why the fuck are they a faction? Like, I just don't get it. There's too many, man. <laughs> it's bothering me. It really is. I, I didn't have as much of a problem with it, but now that your newest cool heel faction just got their asses kicked three weeks after they fucking introduced themselves, uh, I don't know. It's just factions that have factions, it seems like. The idea of the, the the New Japan booking style of having these factions is so everyone has a friend and everyone can be involved in that feud. So you don't get like what you what happens in WWE where it's always like ten guys against one guy, right? And then when you have a lone wolf like a Moxley, who's well, I guess he's technically not a lone wolf anymore. But when you have someone like that, it makes it a bigger deal because he stands out more. So I get the ideology of it. It's just. With AEW, what they do is they build these factions and then they just have the factions face each other. And that's, like, very different than what they do in New Japan. Yep. Um, so I, I agree with you. And also, I'm, I, we've talked about this in the past. I love New Japan and I like a lot of the booking, but I'm not huge on the, the just factions to have factions either. And let me also say, New Japan, who's been doing this for a long time, like you said, it's about faction warfare. They only have like five. I mean, compared to AEW, which is a new company, um, I don't know. It's just there's so many sub factions. Or now, I mean, it's established uh, at least through Twitter on Orange Cassidy. Like Chris Statlander's a part of the little group of him and the best friends now. So now it's the four of them. How many fucking factions are you gonna have? Yeah, and. I mean, part of – and see, this is why I don't judge it too hard, Dane, or why I don't go in on it, is I don't watch the YouTube shows. So if these factions are feuding on the YouTube shows, like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's it would be easy for me to judge and say there's way too many factions. I get the mindset behind it. I'm not necessarily a fan of it. Um, And, and kind of like I said yesterday when we were talking – it, the only good thing to take away from this is at least the baby faces aren't going to look like geeks and they have no friends. That's a good point. Um, and maybe we'll have more of a reason to care about these giant brawls that uh, break out if they're actually factions feuding with each other um, instead of usually like five people from each for no fucking reason just come out in the ring and crowding it up. But uh, I am excited about this next tag team. And I think this is a very interesting idea. I don't know if it's a direction that I would have gone with both guys, but at the same time, they have a similar attitude. They're both used to being tag teams, so in a lot of ways, I'm kind of excited. But they had a promo package from Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, and they both said that, you know, they've been they, – they're top wrestlers, you know, but they've gotten the lack of respect from people – and they're not fucking down with it, and they're going to start dominating the tag division, and they start off with their first match against Matt and Mike Sedell uh, next Monday on AEW Dark Elevation. And, uh, I mean, it's going to take a minute to build to give them chemistry, but Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky as a heel tag team I think has a lot of potential. I'm sorry, I dropped connection for a second, Dane. Uh, we were talking about Ethan Page. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky as a uh, heel tag team. 
Uh, they had a package, and they also are going to be having a match with Mac and, Matt and Mike Sedell next week. Um, do you think the two of them positioned together will be a good tag team? Oh, they'll be a great tag team in ring. I don't know that I'd necessarily care about it because I feel like you could use Scorpio Sky better. But uh, they should I feel, be I feel the way about both of them, honestly. I feel like Scorpio should be in the championship picture, and uh, Ethan should be in the uh, TNT championship picture. But if you got nothing for them to do, and that's not happening anytime soon, it'll be interesting to throw them into the tag team. Yeah, but I mean, is that tag team only going to reside on Dark? Because if so, I'm never going to get to see Scorpio Sky work. <laughs> Which is unfortunate. I hope not. I really hope not. That would be stupid. Um, this is the only company I've ever said this about. Do they have too many tag teams, Dane? Too many factions, too many tag teams. Yes, yes, yes. But, I mean, I'm fine with having too many tag teams. It's just... I, I There's only know. one set of belts. I just They never gave us the breakup of SCU, so why would, like, he not just be tagging with SCU? I don't know. I mean, that's more of my problem with it. I know he turned heel in quotations, um, but we didn't get any kind of resolution between the rest of SEU and Scorpio Sky. They're just kind of like, well, they're just not together now, I guess. And I would shit on WWE for this, so I'm going to shit on AEW for this. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> They've been together for like 10 no, that's years. Fair. <laughs> it's definitely fair. All right, so... Jay Cargill was, oh, no, 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 Red Velvet was the one who broke up. So at the end of the whole entire thing, QT Marshall took Dustin, who was bleeding. Um, one of the best bleeders in wrestling, I think. Man, he just, he's definitely Dusty's son. Um, and took him on top of the stairs, gave him a pile driver, and was about to basically concerto uh, Cody's face against the stairs. Red Velvet came out. She stopped everyone. And then she was doing a promo, and Jay Cargill just fucking wrecked her and beat the shit out of her. And then John Moxley uh, was talking about the elite and how he's sick of fucking the pains he's had, you know, that his bones hurt, and that there's scratches from the hardcore match he had basically all over his body, and they fucking sting, but it doesn't matter because he's going to fucking take out Kenny Omega. And, uh, yeah, that, that set up later on, but... uh. So, Jay Cargill, Red Velvet, we're still doing that, I guess. And Moxie's promo. What'd you think? So, I, I, I'm not against the Red Velvet Jay Cargill stuff. I think it's fine for who those two wrestlers are. And they built a feud off of it. Where do you go from here, though, on that one? Like, what, where, what, what is the end goal? Are you going to do, like, when Brandy comes back? Like, maybe Cody had an affair or something. Like, what is the relationship? Or, or, like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, where is it going to go after this feud is done? I hope Red Velvet goes back to building herself. She's a good worker, but personality-wise, I'm sorry. But, you know, Jade's impressed me with their first two actual matches. She was definitely the best thing about that tag match. Jade needs to be pushed in a prominent position. Now, the only problem that you have there is... There's two superior heels that should have that title then with the three of them, with her, Nyla, and number one to me, Britt Baker. So I think Jade's got competition if she's going to be a heel uh, going for the title in the women's division because, she, like I said, those other two, Nyla and uh, Britt. So, but to me, 
she is a fucking upcoming star if she can keep on getting better in the ring and she still has that um, natural charisma that she shows. So which tag tag match are you referring to? The Shaq match? Yeah. Well, Shaq was the most impressive person in that match. <laughs> I mean, he Dude. took a good table bump and he did a good power bump. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He, like, he did five Shaq's things. Shaq's like 50 years old, dude. <laughs> Jade, Jade impressed me. Her facial expressions, a lot of that stuff. I think that she's good. As far as like we're talking yeah, about, yeah, I, I was more just joking. Uh, I wasn't being serious as far as in-ring work goes. But I mean, for Shaq as a basketball player who probably doesn't have very much wrestling training, I was I was very impressed by Shaq. I still want to know where he's roaming. Like maybe Shaq now, when he left the ambulance, is somewhere in Florida, living in the woods as like a new type of Sasquatch. Well, no, you can see him on TNT NBA. He's there. He's fine. Oh, turns out oh, it's okay. Oh, <laughs> I just, I just to go, you know, he, he's Papa great. Shaq, man. He's delivering pizzas. <laughs> we need him versus show in a really sloppy giant match. Um, It'd be great. I don't think it would be that sloppy because they won't ask them to do that much. So as I talked about beforehand, John Moxley went against Cesar Bononi. Uh, pretty good match. I like, like I said, John's uh, promo beforehand. He's uh, great at promos, especially when he's like, ripping off clothing parts and slamming stuff and just getting all like aggressive about it. Um, Caesar's a, he also really, really, uh, you know, summed up Caesar, you know, as being a, a big competitor has a lot of potential stuff that baby faces and even heels should do against their opponent. Because the whole concept is if you tell you that they're shit, you know, if, if you were to lose to them, then you look like a fucking idiot. So um, I appreciate that when anyone does that, but, this match was good. Uh, like I said, now Bernoni is now uh, like he's he's with Ryan Nemeth and uh, J.D. Drake, which J.D. should be built up by himself as a big guy. If you want to put him in a tag team, actually, this just came off the top of my head. J.D. Drake, to me, is a great throwback wrestler. And what I mean by that, and this is definitely not an insult, there's certain wrestlers that I feel like kind of are going out of their way to be like an old school style eighties concept, whether it be an MJF who definitely takes a lot from studying and all of them are like not within the generation of actually watching them. But like, like I said, MJF who took a lot from Piper, a lot from Tully, a lot from flair um, and mixed it into his modern concept. That's since we're not there anymore, comes off kind of new. Um, Warhorse is probably the biggest example, taking stuff from Warrior Sting and Macho Man and just being a, a ridiculous, you know, version of all three of them. Uh, Mance Warner with taking a little bit of Terry Funk, Austin and Dusty being this crazy everyman. Uh, J.D. Drake's like that. His, two, his three favorite wrestlers, it doesn't really make sense, or three of the wrestlers that inspired him, I should say, were like Dick Murdoch, Dusty Rhodes, and Arn Anderson is his number one. So... If Brock Anderson's ready, man, I'd love to see Arn Anderson have a tag team eventually with J.D. Drake and his son. Maybe even like be like, hey, J.D., you're officially a part of the Anderson family since half of them aren't even fucking related at all. Like, I hate to tell everyone, but Gene, Ole, Arn, um, they're not related. They're not brothers, cousins, nothing. They're just 
part of the quote unquote Anderson family. Uh, but you shut your dirty pirate hooker mouth, Dane. That also that also goes for C.W. Anderson, who's a part of that family, and also Carl Anderson, who asked Arn. <laughs> Arn had a great story of Carl when he was in WWE, come up to him and be like, "Hey man, you know my last name's Anderson. Big fan of you. You know, can I join the family?" And Arn's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And apparently showed him the Wikipedia page of like all the Andersons that are part of the the Anderson family. So bestow that upon him. And then Arn has his own Anderson brothers would be fucking fun, I think. But that's just random. Anyways, Caesar got choked out. <laughs> uh, awesome way to do it, too. Uh, so Ryan Nemeth came in. He got DDT'd pretty quickly by Moxley. Moxley gets put into a pump handle slam and reverses it and chokes out Caesar Bononi. And uh, good match, man. I, I, I liked it. It was short and sweet. And like I said, J.D. Drake and Ryan Nemeth, for that matter, I think have a lot of potential. I don't know why the three of them are paired together, though. Yeah, it's a weird pairing. I like the squash match, and I I love Moxley uh, cutting a promo. Moxley's still Moxley, it turns out. Um, But, yeah, everything else you said, I I completely agree with. I could definitely see J.D. Drake being in a tag team. That'd that'd be kind of cool. But, like, we were just talking about earlier, it's like, what do you do with all these tag teams? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there there are so many tag teams, you almost need a second division of belts. Um, and I'm not like add more belt type of guy, but maybe it'll even out once we get the second live televised show. Because like I said, I don't watch all of their YouTube stuff. So if you're a diehard fan, you're watching all the YouTube stuff, you're probably like, What the hell is Chris Patton talking about? But um from a main perspective, there's only so many tag teams you can throw on to a two-hour show. And that's how the generic fan is going to watch that. So you need to think about that, I guess. But yeah, I like the idea. I actually like Ryan Nimeth a lot as well from Me what too. I've seen of him. He's good, dude. Um, what the hell was I going to say? How do you feel about that? Is it kind of weird in a way? And MJF's the best example because he's like 20 through 24. That we have the, all these guys that are younger, but have the option because of the network and what have you, YouTube, to be able to look at the stuff in the past and are younger than us, Chris, because we're in our, our mid-30s, you know, but whether it be a Mance Warner or whether it be a, a War Horse or whether it be a J.D. Drake or whether it be an MJF, they take from the older guys, and since it's been so long from that, it kind of comes off new or nuanced to a newer generation. I think it's really cool. What I don't want is everyone to do it. So it just becomes like you're watching a bunch of cover bands. Yeah, that's a good, wow. That's a good point. You know what I mean? like, it's fine to uh, like imitation is art, but it still needs to be your own shit. And I think MJF is, is the perfect example where you can do that and be, you know, do your own stuff and make it different. Same thing with FTR. I think they're good examples of that. Yep. My worry is, like, how far can you take it until you just get made fun of like Dolph does for copying Sean, right? Like, <laughs> Yep. No. And, and Moxley I, is a prime example of this, too. Like, he does a lot of the old school Terry Funk spots um, um, and even some Macho Man spots, which is, which is hilarious. But he still makes it his own. Like, he, he finds a way to make it very John Moxley. You know what I mean? Like even his even his finisher is you know like that was mankind's 
original finisher outside of the mandible claws that that underhook DDT. Um, so like you know, it, it, I think it's it, I think it just depends on the person. Not everyone. Is, I mean, you can copy people, but it's just how far do you want to take it before you become a Foo Fighters cover band called like the Full Fighters or something. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, also, uh, guys, if you guys don't know this, wanted to just give a big congratulations for Caesar, but also just put over AW for doing some stuff. So Caesar Bononi posted on Twitter about a week or week and a half ago. His wife's battling leukemia. She needed a transplant. Um, they're originally from Brazil, but due to the pandemic and also visa issues. He was having a hard time talking to the USA embassy in Brazil to get the sister who can do the transplant over here. Well, AEW intervened and paid for everything. So Tony Khan is a good dude. Unfortunately, the sister got sick with COVID, but she's going to be over it probably by this weekend. She's doing good, but then she'll finally be able to get over here for that transplant, that surgery uh, for his wife. So just thoughts and uh, thoughts, wishes and prayers to Caesar and his family uh, and really big of TK uh, and, you know, their leadership to see that he was trying to get a hold of anyone on Twitter and be like, whoa, 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 we got this. Contacted the embassy, got everything worked out. And as soon as, like I said, she's over COVID, she's free to come here and do the transplant for her sister that all hopes will be in a positive direction for her cancer. So, you know, you can say what you want about Tony Khan. Some of his booking might be, I feel like, after doing a fucking line of cocaine sometimes, but he's a really good dude, and he treats his wrestlers really well. Yeah, I think this is a great story. It's just one of, another one to notch up to AEW for treating people the way they deserve to be treated. Um, and, I mean, like, if I was employed there and he treated me that way, that would be amazing. I just hope that they do that for all their employees. Like camera guy number three has the same situation. Do you treat him with the same respect? And, and I think this is why Vince and WWE doesn't necessarily do this as much publicly because you do set a stigma of is like, well, is it just the wrestlers that are important? Because think about how many people work at that company, right? But I would like to think that he's trying to take care of everybody. Seems like a really good dude. The way he treated the Brody Lee situation, I thought was the best. Um, that something like that's ever been treated. So yeah, man, it's 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 cool, very cool, cool stuff all around. I like I said, it needs to trickle down to all your employees though, not just the wrestlers. So hopefully he's going that route. But we we don't know about that. You're never going to hear about that. I just I just hope that it's uh, that mindset of taking care of people that bust their ass for you. I love and enjoy, and I hope it it trickles down to like everyone that busts their ass for you, not just the wrestlers. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I agree with you. you Got to take care of your people. All right, so Team Taz uh, basically aired out their dirty laundry. Uh, so they're having another meeting, you know, just segment about how they're going to start kicking ass again. And Starks cut like a cocky promo. And Brian Cage, who's making faces the whole entire time, cuts him off and basically bitches him out and has an argument back and forth between Starks. And Taz calms him down. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward, Chris, to Brian Cage. You know, I was a fan of him since fucking Lucha Underground and shit like that, since I saw him on the indies before that, and him him and Keith Lee were having awesome matches, or uh, Jeff Cobb. 
Um, and then everything in Impact, with the exception of just, even though I love Tessa and I liked her having the belt, of all people, Brian Cage was the one that she beat. Seemed a little bit ridiculous, but Brian has not been the best position besides winning his first match in that ladder match. And even if you gave him that title, I just want him as a solo guy. I love your idea and still with him and Hobbs, but to me, Taz can't, or not Taz, I'm sorry. Brian Cage can be a great baby face and he'd be fun to put in the TNT uh, title picture as of right now. Um, But yeah, it looks like at least Brian Cage is going to be leaving team Taz. Yeah, it kind of seems like Team Taz is a little bit done. Um, I I think it would be great. And and I say great because of the way that he kind of left Impact. If he shows up and has a run there. Yeah. He can be used on both products, but he could show up and have a huge run there. He can go against Moose. He can basically reclaim everything, and then you can tie it back into AEW because you have Kenny Omega as the AEW champion. You know, he's kind of like EC3. We talked about staples of uh, impact in the last 10 years of if you could see someone coming over there uh, and working in the title division against Rich Swan and like Moose, like that level. Those are two guys uh, I will both put, you know, L.A. Drake would be there t- or L.A. LA Knight. My God. Anyways, he'd be there, too, if he wasn't in NXT. But like one of those guys that I wouldn't mind to see fucking him come in and beat Rich Swan for the title randomly and being the opponent for Kenny and, and working over there for a little while and coming back and forth. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Kenny wants to go against them. They're good friends and they've wanted to have a match for years. So that, I mean, this might be the way they get there though. Um, because you do have that impact stuff. You can bring that in, especially if they're sharing videotapes and libraries and, and shit. Like he is a great, if you break this off, I still think him and Powerhouse Hobbs would be a badass tag team, and they, they should do that in yep. the future. But uh, obviously, they're not going that route. So if I was going to do something with him, it would definitely be, well, fuck it. Maybe he's just pissed at everyone, and he carries the Fuck the World title and just fights everyone on every brand. Right? So you have him That'd destroy awesome. a guy on Impact and have him destroy a guy on AEW until he works his way up, until he goes against Kenny. Maybe he's the Impact champion and and uh, Kenny is the AEW champion. That would be fucking cool, especially if he's cutting promos against Don Callis. Yeah. Do you think he needs a mouthpiece? Because I know that he's uh he's talked about this many times. He definitely gets compared to Brock, uh, which he says he likes Brock. He's gotten compared to Goldberg, and he says he likes Goldberg. But his three biggest influences, he said this, were the three Chris's. Chris Canyon, who taught him, Chris Jericho for a lot of the promo stuff and in-ring stuff, and then his favorite wrestler of all time is Chris Benoit. And like Benoit, I don't think that Cage is necessarily the best guy on the mic. What Benoit had for promos that Cage doesn't have is he could switch the intensity to get you into it, even if he wasn't the best wordsmith, if that makes sense. Does Cage still need someone to help him out? Mike Weiser should... You know, if you're going to fucking be by yourself and be a babyface, try to get better. Well, I mean, just because you break up Team Taz as a group doesn't necessarily mean you have to remove him from Taz. Taz can still be his manager. Maybe he's just tired of dead weight. That's fine, uh, too. And I think Taz is a perfect manager for him. As far as, like, his uh, promo ability and stuff, I you know, 
the little bit I saw of his run and impact, it was fine. Uh, I think it's more just about how you book him, right? Like uh, how you're building that. And like you said, with Chris Benoit, it's a prime example. It's it's more about the intensity you put into the match because like a Chris Benoit promo was just like, hey, you pissed me off. I'm going to kick your ass, which is fine. Just keep it short and, and simple. Um, but if you're trying to get him majorly over, I, I, I would probably keep him with Taz. Maybe get yep. rid of, like I said, the rest of this group. It's fine. You can blow them well, all out. Well, you know who doesn't stuff. really belong? I mean, what if, what if, all right, so Cage and Starks has a match. Cage beats the living shit out of Starks. And Taz goes, sorry, Starks, you're out of here. You know, and keeps his son, obviously, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Taz, and, uh, Taz, and, and Cage. Because the thing is, I'm sorry, but Ricky Starks, I don't think he really fits that group and i don't think he's ever fit that group very well that doesn't say anything against him as, as a performer or whatnot because i know that a lot of the wrestlers are very high on him um because i've heard them in interviews talk about him but i just don't think he's he's ever been a good fucking fit for that group uh taz doesn't need to be like one of the stronger points honestly in his game is his he, he can cut promos himself so i don't think taz really needs to cut promos for ricky starks and I don't think this benefits him at all to be in this group. I'd rather see Taz stay with Brian Cage and Brian Cage and Hobbs be a unit together, maybe a potential tag team, honestly. Yeah, no, I like Starks is kind of the odd man out. He doesn't really fit that group. I mean, you can love the way he wrestles in the ring or whatever, but if I was building like a dream Taz group, it wouldn't have him involved. Taz is known for like, Amateur wrestling and suplexes, and that's not really Ricky Starks. No, if you're gonna have a random guy like that that actually is that well, is better than cutting promos than Ricky, but is more well, no, he's known for also suplexes and stuff. I'm just saying, if you're gonna throw a good talker in that group, I'd rather see Eddie Kingston and Taz interact with each other than Ricky Starks, if that makes sense. No, it does. And I, you know what? For what they've asked Starks to do, he's been pretty good at it. The the whole Sting and Darby Allen feud I liked a lot, especially with that match at the end with Darby throwing the bat up like three flights of stairs. Like, it's pretty cool. I mean, they did some cool stuff. But, yeah, I agree with you. He is kind of the odd man out. He doesn't really fit the group. Either you're trying to build a powerhouse type group or you're trying to fit Taz's personality. And, and Ricky Starks is... Uh, Kind of neither. He's not a powerhouse. He's also not like a super technician grappler that's going to choke you out. So it's just kind of a we. He's just kind of there in a weird spot. Yep. All right. Well, let's get to the next part. Um, I got a lot to say about this. So the Pinnacles cutting a promo backstage, just talking about gushing about all their accomplishments in the short time they've been together, and they're in the locker room. Obviously, that used to be the uh, the uh, inner circle. And, uh, you know, kind of MJF's giving a tour a little bit of what they did, and they're complaining about the smell of the bathroom. MJF opens up the bathroom door, and in there are almost every single member of the inner circle, including Chris Jericho, well, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Prime Powerful. And he slams the door and goes, we need to get the fuck out of here, we need to get out of here, we need to get out of there, and everyone's like, what? And so he opens up the door, there's Jake Hager, knocks him right in the face. Everyone piles up in the bathroom, huge brawl. Tully's getting punched in the face. Everyone's getting nailed. Um, and then the, the fight takes out in the hallway. 
You see Sammy Guevara getting his uh, revenge on, on Sean Spears for putting him through that chair by taking him uh, to the bathroom and basically take – he now does this torture rack to a uh, – whatchamacallit, go to sleep kick, uh, knocks him into the bathroom door, takes his head, slams the door into his head, uh, and just leaves him laying. Uh, then you see Jake Hager take Wardlow, powerbomb him through a uh, massage table. Uh, takes him out, and then, you know, Dax is all fucking bleeding everywhere. Uh, Santana wipes it on his shirt and stuff like that, has it all over him. Uh, Cash gets slammed and then thrown into an ice bath and just looks dead. Tully's knocked out, and then you see Jericho and uh, MJF still in the locker room beating the shit out of each other. Uh, Jericho takes him and Brian Pillman's him, if you will, like Austin did to Brian Pillman years ago. Takes him and fucking puts him in the toilet, gives him a nice little swirly. You know, MJF is just throwing up water afterwards and then takes him outside and puts him through the glass of the Pepsi cooler. And uh, Inner Circle stands tall. I love this. I thought this was great. Should have happened in about three weeks, maybe a month from now. Like, as Big Boy of the great group Outcast would say, go ahead and marinate on that shit for a second. Sorry, I'm, I don't know why I should think that this heel group uh, of the Pinnacle is really that much of a threat if they're only a couple weeks into it and they've already gotten their cup uppets from the baby faces, which I guess they're baby faces in this, with the inner circle. Have them out, sell it for a little while, and then do this. Like, I just, like, let them get some wins, uh, you know, across the board from all of them. To me, this just chumped up the pinnacle, and I really think that they, like I said, I think they should have simmered on it. But that's just me. Still love the segment and the brawl. It was awesome. I I get the concern of them immediately getting kind of their ass kicked, but it's going to be three months to the next pay-per-view. They have a lot of stuff to do between then. So for the next three weeks, the pinnacle could just demolish each of these people, right? Potentially. So I, if it was WWE and the pay-per-view was like two weeks from now, I'd be more worried. But you have a lot of time to build that back out. I love this. I thought this segment was great. Um, Santana is a fucking national treasure. <laughs> he broke that wooden chair and then he just looked at the piece of wood and he's like, I'm going to stab this guy in the forehead with it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was great. And Sammy Guevara, the snap, the way he's able to snap and be that dastardly and such an asshole is great. Like, his emotions, um, it's really cool. I mean, we kind of saw it with Matt Hardy. I want to see more of that. I guess my only regret is, I, you know, my hope was, like, the inner circle was going to break up and he was going to be the odd man out. But, obviously, it didn't go that route. It's still cool to see him being such a big part of it and... Uh, is he his number one? You're my number one guy. Is he Jericho's number one guy? Kind of. Yep. It's 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 good. And I like Jericho throwing. Um, I mean, all of this was good, man. This is like one of the best like wrestling ass wrestling segments I've seen in a while. It, it reminded me of the uh, some like you said, all, something Austin would do where he's just going to show up wherever you are and whip your ass. I liked it. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, like I said, even if they just waited like. Two more weeks, especially since, like you said, there's three months until the next pay-per-view. So build this shit up. 
I feel like this is going to be a blood and guts, maybe mini pay-per-view, which is what they wanted to do initially anyways, but obviously canned it because of the pandemic. Maybe they'll just put it on dynamite in like a month, uh, or they could wait until the pay-per-view. But if it's three months, that's a lot of feuding between both groups. Maybe it would have been better to keep them off for a little while because of that. Yeah, but there's ways you can do it. So if you take the pinnacle off TV for two weeks selling this injury, and then they come back and they hit someone with a car and beat them down and you do it even bigger, like there's ways to delay it. And you can still do your odd and end matches in between there. But I, 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 I get where you're saying it's too early, but because it's three months out, you just got to make each thing bigger. And if you use it correctly, like these guys should not be on TV next week. That's the big thing. So if the pinnacle shows up on TV next week, then I'll have more of a problem with it. I gotcha. Let's see what happens, but still awesome brawl. Very well done. Um, all right. So now we have Don Callis having some words for uh, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson. Alex Marvez was about to talk to the young bucks, but Don came up um, basically just called out Nick Jackson and just told him to take a fucking hike. And Nick listened to him. I will say, love the the the, the brothers uh, in the ring. Nick Jackson has the charisma of an old shoe. Uh, Matt's definitely better than him on that aspect. But when it comes to promos and just being there, he's like, all right, fuck you, man, and just, like, walked away. I was like, okay. And then he really reamed into friggin' Matt. I mean, he slapped him a week before, but, you know, said that I thought that, you know, he loved Kenny Omega, and I thought that you loved Kenny Omega. and says that basically that he he chose to let Omega bleed like an animal when he didn't have to. He says just like his dad, and that really struck a core with Matt. He asked if he's dead inside, that he can't feel anything for the people who love him. He says he doesn't care if he likes him. Just go count your money. He says he doesn't know how to reach him because he's cold and dead inside. And uh, Matt uh, fires up and grabs Callus by the shirt. As Callis gets nervous and that he's crossed the line, instead Matt lets go and drops his hands down. Callis realizes he's not going to do anything. And uh, yeah, that was that was the stuff before the uh, match with the with Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers against Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid. Um, I thought this was good, man, but it kind of because it's so obvious. That he is, you know, that they should have beaten the shit out of him for some of the stuff that he says. I think in a way this is kind of showing where they're going with the match next week between the Bucks and Moxley against Kenny and the Good Brothers, if you know what I mean. Grew with you 100%. I, you know, if if he would have just super kicked Don Callis, we would have known in which way they were going, but the fact they teased it, and even at the end of the night when they ran into the ring, I was like, well, now they're going to super kick Moxley. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, they're not on, they're not against Don Callis, because if someone talked down to you that way, and you're a babyface, you should have whipped their ass. It's Don Callis, like, what is he going to do? You super kick the shit out of him. You're you're one of the young bucks. Give him a spinning tombstone or something. Um I agree with you. I mean, this is set up for Moxley to get screwed again, right? Yep. So, for what it was, it was fine. It was very awkward and maybe went a little too long for my liking. And like you said, it was kind of like on the nose 
once he didn't respond. I mean, this is the th- these are the guys that were super kicking Tony Schiavone for no reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I said, you know, I shit on WWE for stuff like this. I'm gonna shit on AEW for stuff like this. If you're super kicking Alex Marvez and Tony Schiavone because FTR showed up, like, why would you not super kick this guy that just talked about your dad and the way he talked about and slapped you in the face? You you can't be half in. Um, so from that standpoint, I, I didn't like it. I, I like Matt and Nick, and so I'm not just shitting on the Young Bucks, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think they put it too spot on the nose, and now you kind of know where this is going, where you know it's going to be Ambrose versus the world, or Moxley versus the world, I should say. And uh, where the fuck was Eddie Kingston? Well, Kingston along with uh, the reason why he hasn't been presented. Uh, Pac had a small injury that I found out about that's been nagging since the last pay-per-view where he had that tag match, or not maybe the pay-per-view, the Dynamite after that, his last match. Uh, So they gave him some time off because it was involved, like I said, in a nagging injury that he re-aggravated. And there's nothing wrong with Eddie's leg, but there's been a couple things wrong with him uh, as injuries he's dealt with in the past, so he took off a couple weeks so they've been making him sell the quote-unquote bro- broken ankle, I guess. Um, but yeah, if anyone was wondering why either one of those guys hasn't been around, that's that's the reason why. But wouldn't it be more like Eddie Kingston to show up on crutches and just whip the fuck out of these guys with crutches, though? Yeah, but they haven't attacked him. So let's see what happens next week when we what we think is going to happen inevitably when the Young Bucks turn on on. Uh, when, it, when it's all five of those guys, Kenny, the Good Brothers, and the Bucks beating up Moxley, it would be great to see Kingston fucking stumble to the ring with crutches in a steel chair trying to get involved, just showing how much of a badass he is. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. I just, I mean, AEW, they go around their ass to get to their elbows sometimes with some of these Yeah, yep. like, No, I, I agree. You know, like, if you want to do the Young Bucks thing and you want to it, it doesn't matter. They attack Kingston. So you should just have Kingston whip their ass or show up and whip their ass. Like they had a Moxley squash match, which no one got involved with, even though the whole entire fucking crew was there, apparently just to do this Young Bucks thing. Yep. Let's talk about the last match uh, itself. Wait, hold on. Oh, no, this is not the last match. Man, we got a little bit left. All right, we're going to we're going to go with a little bit faster. This is probably one of the more important things though. So Kenny was tagging with the Good Brothers and and going against like I said Laredo Kid and the Lucha Bros. All right, I will say right off the bat though real quick, keep Laredo Kid with the Lucha Brothers and let Pac do his own thing and go back to being a heel when he comes back. That's what I think. I kind of I kind of agree with you on this one. It is weird the way they brought in the Rado kid. Um, I I don't know. Do do you just not acknowledge it? Do you pull a WWE and just be like that never happened? Yeah, I would. I wouldn't even say anything. I mean, they can like they could like you know Pentagon and Phoenix should approach Pac and be like, you guys obviously did well without me, so uh, fuck off. Now that I'm back, I got my own back. You guys can you know maybe even have a match with Pentagon if they want to do it, where he kicks the shit out of them. 
you know, and yeah. then set him off on is his it, own. Is way. it better for everyone involved though, just to like not acknowledge that it was a thing? Because I kind of feel it's that it's like one of those. And WWE is pretty good at that. They're just like, well, yeah. you no, know, we just don't even fucking acknowledge it. It didn't happen. <laughs> just like pretend it didn't happen. Because otherwise, you're gonna have to build out a, a like a flesh out a storyline of like these ba- the, these people you're pushing as baby faces uh, uh, versus I guess Pac who should be a heel but he doesn't have like any reason to be a heel at the moment. So it's yeah, maybe just uh like you said, I think just come in and start whipping ass and and just don't bring it up. Yep. But uh this match was good. It was all over the place crazy. Um they did a a part where all three of them did flips to the outside simultaneously. And I mean these Lucha Libre guys, they usually can do it on point. Um just an entertaining match. Uh, the end of it would have Ray Phoenix heads to the top rope with Omega grounded. He misses a high spot and eats a V-trigger. Uh, Omega follows that up successfully with a one-wing angel. And that um, and obviously gets a win. The Good Brothers have to help Omega to his feet after the match. And Don Callis comes in, uh, leaving commentary. Still love the back and forth between Callis and Tony Schiavone. Always funny, just them bickering towards each other. Good stuff. And after the match, John Moxley is watching them all, like, you know, be all happy. They notice him. They basically tell him to bring it on, and the Young Bucks come to Moxley's aid. Like I, th- like I said, the three-on-three match next week, I see John Moxley starting it off and never tagging anyone in, and then eventually getting his ass kicked by everyone, taking him off TV since his wife's about to give birth to a baby, to be off for a minute, and probably blooding him up probably would be the last match I'm assuming and then giving the two sweeps to each other while maybe Eddie Kingston comes out trying to help his friend hobbling to the ring and then getting his ass kicked too. You could actually bring out some more people since baby faces, baby faces can work for each other. So feel free to send Cody out or send Darby out or whatever, but they should be taken out. If this is going to be the elite or whatever the fuck the bullet club, whatever this is, officially getting back together as a heel team. They should not, no one should get fucked up. If anything, maybe they get runned off because they're heels and they escape through the audience, whatever. But yeah, I think the bucks are going heel next week. Did you say, are you in D O F T run doffed? Run off. Run off. Oh, what a great movie. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I don't I don't know how you get there, but Eddie Kingston being off TV may be a good for that good thing for them. Now that I think about it, because they could that would be the reason why he's not there to save Moxley and you can kill Moxley. I forgot about the fact Renee is about to have a baby and congratulations to them. Um, yeah, maybe that maybe that's where they're going with that. But uh, I like this match a lot. I thought it was very good. Um. Laredo kid didn't seem like he, you know, stood out as a sore thumb or anything being thrown into this group. Obviously, they've worked together before. Uh, really good match. Don't necessarily like the outcome. Just because I feel like you were pushing Pentagon pretty hard and, and now it seems like he stalled out a little bit. Um, do you think WWE is kicking themselves in their own dick because they didn't sign Pentagon when they had the chance? And they've been looking for that superstar for so long, and it's totally him. I think Penta is the best, you know, uh, Hispanic-based 
character in professional wrestling period right now. Maybe not the best in ring, but definitely like overall, like superstar type of concept. Like you're what Eddie was to his generation. If they let him honestly, it's not like Phoenix Phoenix is like Mysterio. And that means that, well, I mean, I don't know if he can get the baby face love like Ray Mysterio has. Cause Ray's like fucking Ricky Steamboat and a couple others of just being that top level, you know, always can get sympathy, loved baby face. But when it comes to a technical standpoint in the ring, they're on that type of thing. But when it comes to a character, yeah, Pentagon's Pentagon's up there. Man, I don't even know. Like, well, like Naito, if he was over here from Japan, basically. Yeah, like Pentagon's on a different level than a lot of other people. Um, what you just said about Ray Phoenix is very interesting. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it as far as the comparison, because he always gets a comparison to Mysterio. And you, you just said, like, you always cared about Mysterio. And the reason you always cared about Ray Mysterio, whether it was like a three-minute cruiserweight match, etc., is how good Ray Mysterio is at selling and making you believe that he's about to die before he hits the big move. Where Ray Phoenix, it's a lot of, I'm going to the big move. You care and you're impressed by Mysterio. Where Ray Phoenix, you're more so just impressed. If that makes it's, sense. It's 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 the psychology of it, and that's what makes Ray Mysterio so fucking great. Especially if you watch like, you know, a Mysterio match and a great Mysterio match and a great Ray Phoenix match back to back. You're it's gonna be it's gonna show like a sore thumb of what the difference is. Yep. All right, so they get the women in next. Uh, first, they have Britt Baker and Rebel with a message to Thunder Rosa and uh, AEW just in general. And basically, this is a nanana boo-boo, which essentially Britt Baker saying, yeah, I lost our match. But one, everyone was talking about me the next day. And two, it was unsanctioned. So it's not like you got a win from it anyways. So I'm higher than you in the rankings piss off is what Britt was trying to, I guess, say while Rebel was doing her annoying laugh thing that she does. But, uh, is that, is that good logic? <laughs> I, I don't know, Dane. You tell me what, how do you think I felt about it? I don't think that's it. A loss is a loss to me. <laughs> you, you called it L. Why are you bragging about it? <laughs> Could you imagine if, like, Michael Jordan lost in the NBA championships and he came out the next day and he was like, yeah, but, like, I dropped 30. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. the dumbest shit of all time. And, and there are people that do that, but it is a bit ridiculous. Like, couldn't she say, I took you to the limit and because of the loss of blood I had? Or, you know, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, the, the, the great thing about that match with him and Bret Hart is he never fucking tapped. Like, he never lost. It was loss of blood. J- J- uh, Jim Ross on commentary is so great on that match because he's like, he's going to pass out because he's losing so much blood. Why didn't she talk about that or something? Agreed. And I like but, Britt yeah, Baker. Yeah, so I, I thought it sucks. I, I love Britt Baker. I love that match. I think it's a way to make her a star, but then they immediately have booked her like shit. So what the fuck do I know, Dane? I know, man. All right, so Kurushida and Ty Conti went against Nyla Rose and The Bunny. 
really good. Uh, actually, you know, the wrestling itself was a lot of good stuff. This helped out the bunny, especially giving her the win at the end uh, against Ty Conti. Ty Conti uh, continues to impress me. I just think the biggest thing, I can't believe how much Nala Rose has fallen uh, from being the monster in that division to kind of just being a part of something to build someone else, essentially. But I think I think Allie needed this win. She needed some type of win, and it was over Ty Conti, so she didn't get pinned. But uh, you know, it was fine. It was it was it was it was there. Uh, I want that title off of Kirishita. I'm sorry. I'm done. I have been done. If you can't tell, no offense, sir. <laughs> I have to agree with you about the Nyla Rose kind of fall from grace. It's almost like um, she doesn't really fit in with where they want that women's division to be. Like, it seems like they're going for a very certain style of wrestler, and she's kind of like the odd man out. Do you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, just just to continue... uh, the match itself, I thought was very good. I'm very impressed with Ty Conte as well. But uh, Dane, how do you feel about the odd man out stuff? Like, is, as far as Dyla Rose, do you think it's just like they don't know what to do with her and they don't want to push someone that strong in that division? I don't know. Like I said, with adding Jade, you know, because she's going to beat Red Velvet and then she's going to be probably a contending heel for that title, and Britt Baker. Nala just seems third in that, and maybe they just have nothing for her. Maybe you're putting her in a tag team. I don't think it's helping with the whole Vicky Guerrero thing. I think you can put Vicky with someone else and probably help them out more. Um, like I don't Edge know. on SmackDown? <laughs> oh, Lord. Get Vicky away from Edge, for Christ's sakes. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. The only reason I brought up the Nyla Rose stuff is the way they book these matches – it's going to be very hard for anyone that is just like a, a monster heel, like an Aja Kong type female to have good AEW matches. Um, especially the because they're just going to throw her against random people. And now we have Chris Statlander back, and I'm assuming she's going to get launched up the top of the roster really quickly. Yep. Just on how she left. So at least the women's division is picking up. We're getting like this match was pretty good. And I'm very impressed by, like you said, Ty Conte. I think she was very good in this match. There's some good takeaways, but it was a little too much. And uh, the bunny's fine. I guess like she was okay. Yeah, she's fine. Um, But I like Allie. But yeah, she's, she's fine. She's, uh, she's good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's like, like there was nothing like very bad about it, but there is nothing that great about it. She doesn't. She's she's a female wrestler that let's face it, it's kind of like Carmella. They're 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 good at what they got to do, but the finesse in between is not as to the level as say like a Bailey or a or even a Kurashita for that matter. You know what I'm saying? I would say she's way better in the ring than Carmella, but yes, I I get what you're saying. But um, <laughs> all right, so the last match. Arcade Anarchy, Miro and Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. I don't know if I'd have this match last. I got to be honest with you. I think Christian's match should have been last since it was his first one in seven years. And I think the opening (laughs) 
should have been Cody versus QT Marshall. This probably should have been the top of the second hour, but it was still a fun match. Not going to lie. It wasn't as good as the, the, the brawl in the parking lot with, with pride and powerful, but similar concept. Dan, apparently a lot of other fans agreed with you because they just switched and watched the NXT. I just <laughs> like I liked aspects of this match. It was all fucking ridiculous spots. All right, but if you put someone's head through, and a lot of stuff was fake, like a lot of the the arcade units and stuff like that were obviously fake. When you have like one that's like this basketball one that's made out of styrofoam, and Orange Cassidy puts Kip Sabian's head through styrofoam, and he fucking sells it like he was knocked unconscious. That's kind of stupid. I love Chris Statlander's, uh, you know, reappearance. With Penelope getting involved, fucking with Orange Cassidy, and then her being in the alien claw thing, and just she she smacked out the front of it, and the puxy glass hit Penelope so hard they showed a picture of the puxy glass, and it was her whole entire face imprint from her makeup, and then perfect like lips on it from it just smacking her in the fucking face, and then gave an awesome rotating um uh what the hell uh package power or, or pile driver. Through the hockey table. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other spots. Uh, Orange Cassidy looked fine in this. Mirror looked like a fucking psycho. Uh, you know, Trent would show up with his mom. And they would go three on two, which is very unbabyface to do, but whatever. The Mirror destroyed all of them and looked like he was going to do something to Trent's mom. Luckily, Trent got there in time. Speared him through a table. Uh, and Kip Sabian was taken and put through a couple tables from Chucky e. T, who got the three count on him. At one part, they put tables on, were, were just piling tables on top of Rusev, I mean, Miro, whatever the fuck his name is, and also an arcade unit to keep him down to try to pin him. They did a lot of creative stuff. I just don't really care about this feud. And um, they gave the people what they want after they won the match. All four of them hugged. They're together. I know the AEW marks love this shit. I just don't care. I, I Like I said on Tom Clark's um, podcast in the comment section, I thought this brought down – this whole entire feud has brought down Orange Cassidy, Miro, and Penelope Ford for me. I'm sorry. I don't care about the rest that much. I think Orange Cassidy actually has a career because he had all his momentum, beat Jericho, Miro. Uh, Penelope Ford, I think, is an awesome in-ring wrestler, and she would be a great heel in the women's division. Miro. And Miro, for all the fucking shit that he said, should be something more than fucking video game things. So the best thing about this is that it's over. Hopefully. Chris, what do you think? Miro in WWE. No one ever listens to my ideas. Miro in AEW. People listen to my ideas, and they sucked. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, not to be a dick, but th- this and I'm not, hopefully it's over. Um, what I took away from this is Trent Beretta is a goddamn superstar and they need to do something with that guy. Trent's another one, man. I really think that single wise, he could do some awesome shit. And, and the biggest moment to me was Chris Statlander busting out of the thing and doing the table spot. I'm glad she's back too. I will say that. I really had that Chris Statlander's back. This is just over a fucking arcade unit. Six months ago. Yeah. Um, could you imagine how uh, whoever owns those vintage art? Because there were some legit ones. There was like a Mortal Kombat 2 one. and a, a Killer Instinct. 
Yeah, Killer Instinct one, and and like I think in like a, a Space Invaders, those were legit. Could you imagine the guy that owns those? Like, please don't fucking Miro, don't you accidentally bump into one of these and knock it over? Because <laughs> the ones that they were like throwing around and and bumping kind of into, like you said, were all gimmicked, or they were the, like those arcade one up ones you can get at Sam's Club for like three hundred bucks or whatever. Um, there's some cool spots in this match. I mean. I love the fact that uh, the best friends in this situation were smart enough to beat the absolute hell out of Miro first and then, like, clothesline him with the barricade. Uh, the only the, the biggest problem I have with this, and, Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is when it was three versus one and they were trying to get to make him look strong Vince style with Miro, he got way too much offense in on Trent Beretta. Who was fresh, but even more egregious to me. I mean, I know you want Trent to show up, but why would the baby faces? I don't know. It's just it's just a weird concept when three baby faces are taken on one person, and you're supposed to cheer for them. Well, I mean, they did break Trent Beretta's leg, and maybe they could have utilized. Well, they tried to do what they the story they were trying to do is it is actually was three versus two this this entire time for these past weeks because of the manager angle but then chris statlander shows up and throws someone through a table so technically by the end of this match it was like five versus three it was fun though but um that was aw thought it was a good show a couple things i didn't really necessarily agree with that's how it could usually is but uh definitely had my favorite match of the week that i really think should have been i know they've been building towards this arcade mayhem whatever the fuck but I feel like Christian and Frankie should have gone on last. I'm still going to go by that position. What was your overall thoughts on AEW before we moved to NXT? I thought it was a decent show. Um, not my favorite. Some good promos, some good building. I love. Is it because the- Sting wasn't on it? Yeah, Sting wasn't on it, so it can't be my favorite. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I loved the... Uh, I, I really, really did enjoy the pinnacle the pinnacle and inner circle stuff. I thought that was great. The um, Laredo kid and Lucha brothers match. I thought was really good. There's a lot of good stuff to take away from the show. It's not my favorite AEW show. And uh, they're still doing the thing that I've bitched about in the past where we're going to load up like four video packages and like at the end of the, the eight o'clock hour and do them all at one time. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, it's just nitpicking, I guess. Uh, I, and I like the arcade match. It was better than I expected, which made me happy. I set very low expectations for it, and maybe they exceeded those, I guess. No, I get it. All right, well, let's move on to NXT. I'm going to kind of go over things a little bit faster so we can kind of go over the card for the TakeOver next week. Um, Start off with a match with Roderick Strong and Cameron Grimes. Roderick's had a really weird, uh, Roddy, I should say, is at a really weird place since, you know, Kyle O'Reilly told him to fuck off and Adam Cole, you know, turned on him. So he's got it out of his mind. And Cameron Grimes is very smart as a heel. And I, Cameron Grimes has definitely grown on me like mold, but in a positive way, um, especially this new, like, fucking millionaire version of him. But, uh, yeah, very smart of him to take the, 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 armband out of his pants when he was about to get the Olympic slam uh, from Roddy and Roddy saw that he got distracted. Karen Grimes came back, gave him the caveman 
stomp and got the win. And Cameron Grimes later on was getting interviewed and he was leaving the building. He was supposed to be in the battle Royal at the end of the night to get a part of the, uh, North American title, uh, you know, gauntlet match on takeover. And he fucking left. There were supposed to be 12 people. There was 11 in that battle Royal. Cause Roderick strong said he quit. So, uh, kind of interesting, Chris. What's going to be happening with Roddy in the future? How can they repackage him after Undisputed Era? I have no idea on the Roderick Strong. I guess it depends on how everything else plays with Undisputed Era, but I don't know how they're going to repackage him. As far as Cameron Grimes goes, and I'm just going to leave this very quickly, he's the dude that ran away from a zombie referee for me for forever. He's a comedy act. Yeah. You made him a goof, so you're just going to have to live with that. <laughs> um, all right, so I just want to take the time to thank Jeremy Borash for all of his video packages. It doesn't matter if it was the Balor one where he was addressing Karrion Cross, the Walter one where he was addressing Ciampa, the half uh, Adam Cole, uh, which we call Kyle O'Reilly one that was at the end of the night, and also Karrion Cross's response to Finn Balor. All of them were fucking awesome, man. Uh, Jeremy's a great announcer. He's a great interviewer. He's a great uh, guy behind the desk calling the matches, but he's also incredibly gifted when it comes to these video packages. And Bully gave the nod. Most of us know that he's the one who does that type of stuff, but confirmed it. And uh, yeah, just, dude, all of them. They, it, it looked like buildups to a UFC fight, especially the Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly one, man. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And even Dave gave him a shout-out this week. He was on top of his game. Dave Meltzer talked about him. He just recently got married, and I think we talked about this previously, but congratulations. Uh, yeah, he he's very, very good at what he does, and it's baffling to me that they don't use him on the main roster. Yeah, he could really help him out with his skills. And I'm really looking forward to whenever it starts up. I know they're waiting um, for the Peacock stuff to be, you know, more normalized. But um, that NXT Evolve show that him and Gabe Sapolsky is going to be running, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, just putting uh, Gabe and Jeremy back together will be pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm going to laugh if that turns out to be the most popular wrestling show. With the fans, it could be, man. Because, <laughs> you know, it's a possibility. It's a very high possibility. <laughs> That that could be the most popular wrestling show. All right, so after that, we have um, we have uh, Santos Escobar with Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde. Um, Escobar is basically calling out Jordan Devlin and, you know, acting as if, you know, everyone says that he tries to avoid stuff and puts out an open challenge to show that he is a true Cruiserweight champion. Out comes past Cruiserweight champion uh, Tyler Breeze. They have a decent match. Santos wins. And after the match, I mean, this was more setting up the tag match. MSK comes out um, and attacks Legale Tel Fantasma. They go back and forth and finally are interrupted by the Grizzle Young veterans who appear on a big screen and talk about your shit. So more or less getting, you know, a couple more layers onto both the tag match for the titles and also Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin. Um Kind of sucks. I mean, I've gotten used to this, but it does kind of suck that Tyler Breeze usually is a jobber guy, Chris. 
yeah, he's he's too good to be a jobber guy. Same thing as Fandango, but I've been we've been bitching about this for years. Fandango is like such a great character and such a good in ring worker. Same thing with Tyler Breeze. It's it's just weird that they're an afterthought at this point. But they seem okay with it. I mean Whatever, make your money, man. I just feel like you could use those guys better. Yep. All right, so the way is backstage with Mackenzie Mitchell, NXT North American champion. Johnny Gargano is upset about how his takeover opponent will be determined, giving him short notice to prepare. You know, Honestly, he's a heel, but decent reasoning. It's like, I can't fucking look at any of their stuff. I don't know who I'm going to be uh, going against. So uh, he says NXT general manager William Riggle is once again showing how he's unfit for that. Uh, uh, he turns to Austin Theory and asks him why he's trying to get the title. Theory brings up the infamous finger poke of doom from WCW, and Gargano says that killed the business. Theory says the business is still here. Gargano changes his mind and is up to the idea. Uh, Candice and Indy uh, hype up their tag team match. Uh, LeRae says they're going to show Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart how champions do it. So, yeah, Austin's dumb. And not only that, Austin's so dumb, take away my fucking original idea that he was going to be a part of this and go against Gargano. Now, when he got eliminated in the Battle Royal, if I forget to say this, uh, he fell on his ass, but his feet did not touch. So once they said, no, you're good, he goes, how am I going to get up? And then decides to nip up and eliminate himself from the fucking Battle Royal. What the fuck are they doing with Austin Theory? I don't know, but he's waiting for this Gabe Sapolsky Evolve show. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> He'll be their champion. Yeah. Um I don't know, man. I, I really did love the finger poke of doom. I, I, I don't like things that are too on the nose when it comes to breaking kayfabe, but that one was funny. It was like, it killed the business. You're like, it's still here. <laughs> it's pretty. Whoever wrote that props, it was pretty good. It made me laugh. I like the segment. I mean, I don't know that I'm invested in anything to do with Johnny Gargano at this point, other than seeing him wrestle, just because I... I grew tired of it, and then I liked it for a little bit, and now I'm just completely off the Johnny Gargano thing. They threw in the weird Austin Theory therapy crap. Like, I'm kind of just – I just wanted to be done or move along or do something cooler with Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. But, yeah, you're right. Austin Theory is apparently a fucking idiot. <laughs> Kofi Kingston landed on pancakes. That doesn't count as a disqualification or a ring out. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so the way uh, Indy and Candice went against Gigi Dolan, a.k.a. Uh, Priscilla Kelly, and Zaida Ramira, um, decent match. Obviously, uh, the way was going to win, and they did with Hartwell uh, hitting an elbow drop and getting the pin. After the match, uh, the NXT Tag Team Champions Amber Moon and Shotzi Blackheart came on the tank, talked a bunch of shit. And then threw a nerf dart from the tank. I'm going to be honest with you. I love Shotzi. I'm over the fucking tank, bro. Got a, and a, this tag match should be good. All four women are awesome. Well, I don't know much about Hartwell. She's newer. But I will say three out of the four of them I know are exceptional wrestlers. Um, and I think the way's actually going to win. Uh, what do you think? I think it's a waste of two baby faces put into a tag team together. <laughs> yep. 
I mean, you brought back Ember Moon, who should be main eventing against, like, Sasha. And then put her on NXT and then threw her in a tag team. So I don't know what to tell, like, tell this company as far as that goes. Like, it's fine. I love Shotzi. I love Ember. Actually, I like all of the wrestlers in this segment. I just hate how they're being used. And I agree with you about the tank. If you're going to use the tank, why not save it for, like, the pay-per-views? So it seems more special. If you just roll it out every week. Unless you're running over, uh, what's his name, Robert? Uh, uh, God, he was Joe. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're running over him each week, I don't need to see it each week. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we see Zoe Starks watching backstage. We also see Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai walking to get ready for their match. And Yusharai comes and grabs Gonzalez and attacks her. They start brawling, and it's completely split up. This would continue throughout the whole entire night until the end of it, uh, with EO getting the better uh, the next time against Raquel. And then Raquel taking EO and putting her through a fucking wall. Um, and then the ending, we'll, we'll go over it then, but I mean, just to tell you, Yusharai comes to the ring, even though she got through, thrown through a wall. Calls up Raquel, and they both battle each other, uh, and Io does a moonsault on top of a bunch of people trying to split up the fight, and Raquel Gonzalez to end the whole entire thing. But, uh, yeah, man, I am looking forward to the two of them. And, dude, Io Shirai, for her size, she makes herself come off so much bigger and like a badass, and I do appreciate that about her. It's that, like, New Japan or Japan wrestling style that that Asuka does the same thing when she was in NXT. It's the believability and learning how to lay in when you need to. She does always come off way bigger. Both both of those ladies. And same thing as Carrie Zane, uh, if you go back, or Carrie Hojo, if you go look in stardom stuff. Some of that Japanese dojo stuff. And uh, what they're able to accomplish in the ring is completely crazy. But they definitely came off way bigger than they actually are. Uh, Dana, am I crazy in saying that WWE or NXT is very behind Zoe Stark? And I get why. I think so, man. She's agile. I really like that um, that that somersault that she throws in to evade people. I think that's really fucking cool. Yeah, I was by no means was I saying this in a negative way. I just feel like they're very behind her. So if you see a huge push, it might be Zoe Stark, which is good because I think she's a very good wrestler. So I, I'm excited to see that. But the fact that she's getting so much TV time after Wright coming in, um, and especially the way she's being presented, there there's something there. Where, where there's smoke, there's fire, Dane. I, I agree with you. Uh, that's actually was the next match was Zoe Starks versus Raquel Gonzalez. And they had a good match, but Raquel definitely got the better of her and hit her with the one arm choke slam to get the win. Zoe, I, I, once again, I said, like you just said, a lot of potential. They definitely think highly of her to be putting her against Io Shirai and having long matches with her. And then Raquel Gonzalez, who probably is going to get the title next week, I would think. But this would also be one of those times where, like I said, Io Shirai came out. And, uh, you know, just started fucking up uh, Gonzalez and taking her out after the match. So this would lead to more stuff. But big thing that people might not realize. We had three segments involving a Pomeranian, black 
Pomeranian uh, running through the whole entire building. And it's at the end of it, it's at something blah, 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 Frankie, or we'll be there uh, at TakeOver Frankie. Frankie's the name of the dog. Chris, do you know whose dog that was and whose heel that was in that last shot? No fucking clue, and I don't necessarily give a shit. You will. It's Ty of Valkyries. That's Ty of Valkyries' dog. So I feel Raquel's going to be wear, Is she going to wear the earmuffs? Because I would refer back to my last statement of don't really give a shit. Over earmuffs? Come on, man. Ty is an amazing wrestler. She really is. She's she's fine. There's a lot she's, of better people on NXT already that they need well, to, to do stuff with. Well, regardless of, of, of that opinion, I, I actually have the opposite because I think she's a full package. She's good on the mic. Uh, she's good in the ring. And she's got size. I think that Io's going to lose to Raquel and then either will be jumped or at least we'll see Taya Valkyrie come out to confront her. So I could definitely see that. In the future. So when's the dragon lady appearing is the big question. <laughs> well, we're going to get there. Um, Mackenzie Mitchell was backstage with Kushida before he even going to get a word in. Pete Dunn comes up, starts harassing him, pissed off about Kushida calling himself the best technical wrestler and saying that he's personally going to take him out of the battle royal tonight. So that should be an indication of things to come, I think. Uh, and like I said, we had an awesome video with a back and forth between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Then we had Caden Carter going against Casey Cannizzaro. Um, uh, going against, uh, I forgot what the hell her name is. Z- uh, Zia Lee. Oh, that's right. So it was supposed to be Zia Lee and uh, Mi Ying. And their new tag team is called Tian Sha. But somehow she was able to sit down the whole entire time and not get counted out. And so you had you had uh, Casey Conazaro doing the majority of the work with Zia Lee inside the ring. Really cool part. Another very innovative wrestler. Casey Conazaro does a front flip leg drop. I mean, she she holds her arms in and it comes over like a fucking slice of like a blade. Uh, just looks completely awesome. Kaden Carter went to go, I guess, get involved with the person just sitting. And Mia Yin grabbed her, choked her, uh, grabbed her, and then blew smoke in her face and made her uh, go unconscious. And then um, shortly after that, Xylee nailed, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, man, I just fucking Casey Kanazaro in the head and knocked her out. So, yeah, that was it. <laughs> Dane, is the Blue Smoke a reference to that first uh, Nolan Batman movie? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I just think that Caden's she should have reacted like she was hallucinating, like swatting at fake bees or something like that immediately afterwards, and then like you know convulsing and passing out. Because what is it, hallucinogen? I well, in in that Batman movie, from what I remember, doesn't they just blow dust and he's like, Ugh, and he just falls asleep. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I, that that could be it. Um, still dumb. Um, I like this though. I thought it was pretty cool overall, as far as the segment goes. It's interesting. I'm still wondering what's going to happen from it and who this lady is. Um, it's Master Champa 
It's it's Dane. It's the raw anonymous GM. There you go. Maybe it's the hacker too. Yeah. It's it's Sammy it Callahan. It's gonna be the ghost of Ultimate Warrior. Oh God. <laughs> All right. So Tomas Champa cut an awesome promo, just you know, saying he was underestimated. Talking about the necklace. It wasn't dog tags, but it was a necklace that his son and wife gave to him right before his surgery. Um, so just put meaning into that. And then it, it, it's, this was very similar to the John Moxley promo. Cause at the end he gets all fucking pissed off, frustrated, throws his chair and starts talking directly to Walter that he's going to take his UK title and that he's a psycho killer and that he will answer in seven days when he gets the UK title basically off of Walter's corpse. So like I said, Champa versus Walter is up there with Kushida and Pete Dunne, is up there with Adam Cole and Roderick Strong as one of the three matches I'm looking forward to the most match-wise and could probably be the best match of the week between Ciampa and Walter, period. Um, Really, I like this promo. I like the promo a lot, and I hate that you said Psycho Killer because now I can't stop saying Keskuse in my head. Keskuse. (laughs) Uh, I think this will easily be the best match of that entire week. And I love Kushida and Pete Dunne, but, I mean, this is kind of a dream match to see play out. It's it's probably bigger than anything on any of the other cards. But maybe Kushida Kushida will turn up to, like, 15... And we'll get like a really great Kashida P Dunn match. We'll we'll see. Those are the those are the two that I think will have the potential of having a Dave Meltzer five star uh, rating. Those would be the two. And you know what? Whoever, who, whether it be Walter or or Champa who wins, afterwards Triple H should videotape them, uh, congratulating them for everything that he did in the match, and the other person should be like, oh my god, am I going to get a five-star rating from Meltzer? That'd be, uh, that'd be a lot of fun to document afterwards, especially if it's Walter. It would be hilarious if they win, uh, if, you know, whoever wins one of these matches, like, say Ciampa wins the match, and Triple H is like, I don't have any plans for media, and just shows up, and that's the match, is Ciampa versus Triple H. That'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. I'd be down for that. All right, so this Battle Royal, to find out who is going to be the final six for the gauntlet for the first night of TakeOver, uh, to, to potentially go against the North American champion on the second night of TakeOver, Johnny Gargano for the title. And uh, what I thought was going to happen, as soon when Dunn called out whoever, maybe I shouldn't have gone to Aleister Black first, maybe that was a little bit out there. I didn't think about Kushida, but they are two of the considered two of the best technical wrestlers on the planet. So when they had their little scuffle, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. And they ended up taking each other out very shortly into the match. They eliminated each other. So that's now going to be on night one of the pay-per-view. Um, and the final six. Who were the final six? I just had this. I know Swerve. That was actually a pretty cool spot when Swerve and um, – and Leo uh, Rush were fighting each other, and fucking like a hoss, uh, which I'm called Bronson Reed grabbed both of them and just tossed them out of the fucking ring. Uh, definitely looked cool. 
So we had the final six. I just had this on here. I'll just try to remember off the top of my head with everyone. Jake Ellis got eliminated. Uh, Austin Theory eliminated himself, like we said. Dexter Loomis just chilled in the corner the whole entire time, and no one would fuck with them. Uh, Tyler Russ got eliminated. Kushida and uh, whatchamacallit, Pete Dunn eliminated themselves. And then it went for the final six. Swerve Scott and Leon Ruff both got eliminated. They're one and two. Um, I guess Leon being one. Which means usually the one or two person goes almost the whole entire way and then gets eliminated right at the end. That's usually how it works in WWE gauntlet matches. Uh, and then it was between Dexter Loomis, Cameron Grimes, uh, Bronson Reed, and L.A. Knight. And uh, they worked all on Bronson Reed, eliminated him. Cameron Grimes was trying to pay off both Pete Dunne and L.A. Knight, offering them lots of money. And telling him just to jump over the ropes. And they both grabbed his ass and threw him out. And then it was L.A. Knight going against um, Dexter Loomis. And L.A. got the better of him. And the last person in that gauntlet match, they'll come uh, come out at six. And the winner of the Battle Royal, L.A. Knight. And like I said afterwards, another brawl between Raquel Gonzalez and Io Shirai to take us home uh, before TakeOver. What did you think of the Battle Royal, Chris? I didn't understand what was going on, Dane, if I'm being completely honest. So was it an elimination match or a battle royal? Battle royal. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I like the outcome of it just fine. I don't know what they're doing with L.A. Drake. I'm not a huge fan of the promos, but I, I guess I missed the, how they introduced what this match was supposed to be because I, I just didn't understand what was happening, the majority of it. They overcomplicated so, a battle royal. So there was 12 people in the battle royal. The final six people were going to be in the gauntlet match. You know, so if you get eliminated first out of those six, you start off the gauntlet match. And the last person that's in the ring is the last person introduced in the gauntlet match. So he's number six. And whoever wins the gauntlet match on night one of takeover goes against Johnny on the second night. Do you see how potentially this is a problem if you had to write all of that down on a piece of paper? Sure, but I mean, I was paying attention. I, I got it the first time. Uh, yeah. I, so, with L.A. Drake, um, how how do you feel about his appearance so far like as being an NXT TakeOver kind of guy or NXT member, I should say? I don't like it unless he gets the pin on Bronson Reed at the end of this gauntlet match and wins to go against Johnny Gargano to get his win back. Then, and especially if he loses, it's 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 bad because he's had three matches. He he won the battle royal. He won his first match against a jobber and lost to Bronson Reed so far. Yeah. Yeah, I just the the big thing for me is they're not letting him promo the way I know he can promo, which is like his big asset. Yeah, they got they don't need to script him at all. Let him just do himself. I completely agree. All right, let's go over takeover uh, night one. Throw the match at you. You tell me who you think will win. Pete Dunn and Kushida. Wow, this is this is probably the hardest one, Chris, I think. Yeah, this is the hardest one for me. Uh, I'm just going to go with the heart, Kushida. 
I'm going to go with Pete Dunne. I'm going to go with Kushida while listening to, like, Ocarina of Time, like, soundtrack. <laughs> Do it. All right, so for the the NXT Tag Team Championships, MSK, Wesley, and Nash Carter, Crizzle Young Vets, James Drake and Zach Gibson, Legado del Fantasma, Raul Mendoza, and Joaquin Wild. I'm going to go with MSK. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you with this one. MSK, they're pushing them pretty hard, so. But I will say, if Legado del Fantasma wins, I think that might mean that uh, Dude Buddy, uh, Santos Escobar, will might beat Devlin for the NXT Cruiserweight Champion on night two in the ladder match. Um, but I could be wrong. But if they do, that's going to kind of point me in that direction. I, I could see both outcomes. What you just said also makes sense if they if they want to do three championships. But NXT, honestly, WWE in general apparently doesn't care about that. Or wrestling in general doesn't care about having multiple champions in the same faction. Yeah, it's really dumb. I think the Undisputed Era has honestly been like one of the only ones that's done it in a very long time. They all want to be the Four Horsemen, but they don't want to book like the Four Horsemen. It's stupid. Yeah. It's true. All right, so we have Leon Ruff against Isaiah Swerve Scott against Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, L.A. Knight, and I just told you the order. Leon Ruff will be the first person in the gauntlet. He'll go against Swerve Scott. Then Bronson Reed will come out once one's eliminated. Then Cameron Grimes. Then Dexter. L.A. Knight comes out six. I think L.A. Knight's going to win the whole entire thing. If they don't, uh, I don't know. Who, I, I don't really care about any of the other guys winning, honestly. Mm. Maybe Isaiah Swerve Scott. That's healing. Yeah, heal. I, I could see I could see Isaiah Swerve Scott winning, honestly, and I think it will be more because of like uh, just bullshit happening, like a like a fuck finish kind of thing. Well, in my opinion, Walter is beating Tommaso Ciampa and keeping the NXT United Kingdom Championship, but this could be, like we've said, the best match of the fucking week even including Mania. It's going to be a great match. I feel bad for both of these guys' chests. <laughs> it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of chopping. Um, Especially Ciampa's. Um, I, I feel like Walter has to retain, right? Yeah, he has to. Like, what, he's is Ciampa going to go to the UK? They, he's like the one person in wrestling that's been booked right for their like entire run. You know what I mean? Like, you, it needs to be something special for someone to beat him. You can't just you do know, it. Chompa's the guy. Like, it needs to be special. Like, if he comes back and gets beat by, like, Bobby Lashley or something, you want to do a big... I feel like you should do something big with Falter. And not only that, it's something to say about the UK title is that they, they, they have made the UK championship very prestigious. There's only been three guys that have held it. Tyler Bate was the first one. He held it for a while. Pete Dunne was the second one. He held it for even longer. And now Walter is the third one, and he's beaten Pete's record. That's good. That, that's how championships should work, man. That's why it's super cool when Okada held it for like 800 days. And exactly. While having good matches. Like it's not important. If everyone can beat everyone, then it's kind of boring to watch. Yeah, and even like the smaller ones recently, it's always brought up people 
like AJ with his for a while or Adam Cole with his, you know, it just brings prestige to the title and elevates that talent. Looks makes them look more credible. Yeah. So, I mean, who do you want to win out of this match? I guess that, that should have been the question I asked. Walter. Okay. Yeah, we're on the same page. And if he sticks around, I'd like to see him go against Finn. Because that was confirmed. They were supposed to do that. Uh, Finn was going to go to the UK for a while right before the pandemic. So that was a dream match they were trying to do. Because Walter and Finn really want to work with each other. So Finn loses the carrying cross. Maybe Walter sticks around for a little while and goes after Finn. That'd be awesome. I, I mean, I would absolutely love that. I'd also absolutely love if he just showed up at WrestleMania and started slapping the shit out of Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. That'd be great. Oh, God. That'd but be that's awesome. A, that's a huge ask, but I feel like he's that guy. Like, you could, he would be someone you could strap the rocket to if you wanted to. Yep. All right, so Io Shirai uh, going against Raquel Gonzalez. It's the main event, NXT Women's Championship. I've said this many times in the past. I've said it with Candice. I said it with Tony Storm. But this time, Raquel Gonzalez is going to take that title off of Io Shirai. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say Io Shirai retains because every time I predict otherwise, <laughs> I'm wrong. She fucking wins. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to say she retains. Maybe this will be the uh, the opposite opposite day. All right, so now we're on night two. Uh, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, um, the champions, NXT Women's Tag Champions, going against the way. I think the heels are going to win it. Candice hasn't won shit, and she's been doing a lot of stuff in that company for a while. So um, I think they're going to win it in some type of heel fashion, Chris. Some might say she's been doing too much in that company for a while. But, yes, I agree with you. I think they're going to win here. Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly, unsanctioned match. So we talked about this. If Adam Cole, which is rumored, is going to the main roster for Raw SmackDown, losing to Kyle O'Reilly might not be the best way to send him off from NXT. But if Kyle beats Adam, this really helps him out building him as a character. So – I'm most conflicted. This is like this is up there with Kushida and Pete Dunne. I don't know. I'm gonna go with Adam Cole, but if Adam Cole wins, that means to me that he's sticking around. If Kyle O'Reilly wins. I definitely think Adam Cole's out of there. But I'm gonna go with Cole by a slight, slight amount, Chris. I still like. I think Cole's gonna lose, but it's because the rest of the undisputed era rallies around each other. I'm going to stick with my original prediction from three or four weeks ago. All right. All right, Gargano. Johnny Gargano, the NXT North American champion. I think he'll be going against LA Knight, and I think LA Knight's actually going to win it. This one, who did I predict? I I forgot who I predicted. Uh, (laughs) We we both said that LA Knight makes the most sense because I don't want Dexter. I don't want Cameron. Bronson's not that bad of an idea, but I'd rather – LA Knight, and maybe I maybe Isaiah Swerve Scott somehow. Oh, that's who I predicted to win was Isaiah Swerve Scott. So uh, does he beat Gargano? No. <laughs> so if that happens, Gargano retains. <laughs> All right. NXT Cruiserweight Championship match also should be an awesome fucking wrestling match. It's a ladder match uh, to, to crown the undisputed NXT Cruiserweight Champion Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin. I'm saying Devlin. 
I think they're going to do what they want to do originally, which is bring that title to the UK to be their secondary belt, since they have a lot of smaller guys and a lot of matches they can work with out there. And there's too many fucking belts over here. And I think that puts Santos to rebuild himself a bit and then put himself in the actual either North American or potentially title picture. I don't think he needs a cruiserweight belt anymore. I think that's more beneficial in the UK. I 100% agree with you on this, Dane. The only question is, what does that mean for 205 Lot? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Is that just like, is that the is that the final thing, the final nail in the coffin, so to speak, for 205 Live? And then what are you going to do with people like Tony Nese? Are you going to send him oh. to the UK? I don't know, man. That's that's a good point. Hey, Tony, you know how we've been dicking around and barely giving you anything since you've been with WWE? Do you want to move to the UK? Do you got a family? You know we only Better hired than 205 you Live. <laughs> you know we only hired you because you're like a buff version of Neville. Jesus. All right, the last match, the main event of night two, Finn Balor, the NXT champion, Karrion Cross. I hope Finn comes out as a demon. I already said that, and I hope Karrion Cross, regardless, wins. Agreed. I think it's Karrion Cross. He should be able to just win this because he didn't he didn't necessarily lose the title the first time and and continue on that. I think the stuff they've done with Karrion Cross is one of the Top five things I like about WWE and NXT. So I love your idea of him being the person to put down the demon. But if I'm Finn Balor, also fuck that. <laughs> Just beat me normal. Yeah. Save Maybe save that for a later date with a uh, a bigger match on on the card. All right. Well, guys, I think that's it. That is our wrestling show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Wrestling Geeks Alliance coming to you every week. Next week, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. I'm thinking, God, if it's possible, maybe a Thursday and a Sunday show. I have no idea, guys. We'll try to figure it out. <laughs> let's, so just review random, let's just review random episodes of ECW Hardcore and not talk about WrestleMania week. Oh, Jesus. I'm thinking, all right, so if we do it on Thursday to cover AEW, maybe the first – no, that's right. Takeover's on fucking Thursday. I don't know what we're going to do. I have no idea. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I'm not doing a six-hour episode, though, on Saturday. I can tell you that much. So, oy, it's going uh, to be a little crazy, but a lot of content next week. Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people. Give out any of your plugs you got to plug out. Yeah, sure. Thank you guys for listening. If you like hockey, check out at Skates to the Throats, uh, Skates to the Throats podcast. And uh, as always, if you want to talk to me, hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter or Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. Uh, Twitter tag, same thing on Instagram. Don't really use it. I'm not I don't like having my photo taken. So that form of media is bad to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope everyone has a great week. Be safe out there and uh, I'll send it back to you, Dave. Well, thank you very much, sir. If you guys want to get involved in the Geek Fives Nation, go to geekfivesnation.com. There you'll find news articles for wrestling, uh, comics, movies, pretty much everything geek-related. Uh, be a part of the conversation. Join Geek Fives Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Geek Fives Nation. Look us up. You can find me at Danehouse42 on Twitter. Message me. We'll have a conversation. Or 
you can find me on Facebook at Dane Alves. Just look me up. Or just join the Geek Vibes Facebook page, and we can have a conversation on there. Whatever you'd like to do, love to chat, love to debate, and I don't mind arguing either. I really don't. Anyways, also, if you guys want to listen to us, we're on pretty much every platform. You can Google just Wrestling Geeks Alliance or just look it up on anything when it comes to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Red Circle Media, pretty much any of your downloadable platforms, SoundCloud. We're on there. So just search them, find us, and listen to us every week. For all our past listeners, thank you guys so much for listening to us. We appreciate everything. And, guys, have a great WrestleMania week. DMX, all, all hope and love to you, man. Pull through everything and have a wonderful weekend because we're recording on Saturday. Let the Geek Fives be with you. And as always, peace out. Ooh, yeah. Let it go.
when it came back, that's how strong it was. But she belonged to cut. Couldn't belong to me. Taking two kids by this nigga. It was wrong for me. But we gon' always be best of friends. Ha ha. Bad love, oh, to the end. What type of games are being played? How's it going down? It's on to it's gone that I got to know that. And she ripped me a what? Nigga, I'm trying to get me a nut. Just cause honey's wanna give me the what? What type of games are being played? How's it going down? It's on to it's gone that I got to know that. Me a nut. 